Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And today is, for us at least, August 19th. Daniel, how the fuck are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I went out drinking last night, full disclosure. <laughs> is that uh, why you're well? I woke up a little hungover, so I'm kind of like in this mind fuzz. Um, mm. Particularly scratching my head over something that's happening overseas for us right now. What's up? Um... So we posted an episode last week, episode 35 of The Saver, and yep. plagiarism, it ain't cool, kids. Um, we promoted the fuck out of it. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. That's, um, that's fair. We plugged it a little bit. I plugged it on the, the facey space and yeah. introduced it to people that would not have otherwise ever heard of our podcast. So been having a lot of like fervor and excitement about that because I feel like we're taking good strides. And I noticed like a lot of plays and feedback here and there. But then I went to go check the metrics the other day. Huh. And, uh... What are the, what's the data show you, Daniel? Well, I would say the majority of our plays, and for us, that's not many. Uh, uh, our yeah. current episode is sitting at 77. 50 of those plays... <laughs> Fuck. ...are from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. So, I, I'm just, like, you know, minding my own business, and I'm just like, oh, what is this? Can you explain this phenomenon? What are we doing for the Dutch that isn't working for the U.S.? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's our unfiltered nature, our haphazard <laughs> attitudes. Maybe it's because we say fuck David Cage. Okay, I do have one theory, though, that the last episode in particular, because I noticed none of the other episodes are seeing this similar upswing. It's mm. only the plagiarism episode. So I think that plagiarism means something else in Amsterdam. Like what? You what know? do you think it could measure out to over there? Uh, probably like a really arcane, sinister, but enticing sex act. I can't imagine what it would be, but I'm sure that it would have like uh, something to do with uh, clothesline clips. What do you call those? Uh, clothespins? <laughs> clothespins. Okay. And, you know, some sort of needles. Sure. The plagiarist for me would be, okay, so yeah. we're going to describe ourselves in the situation, right? Okay. <laughs> I blindfold you, right? Yeah. Um, I have my own way of maybe touching you that, you know, you might enjoy. <laughs> but I plagiarize <laughs> the move of another lover you've had <laughs> and touch you that way. <laughs> Wait, thus the plagiarist is born. <laughs> well, anyway, I just wanted to say to all of our new fans in Amsterdam, uh, we looked up how to say welcome. It's welcome. 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 Uh, welcome to the save room. Uh, you guys are, you're bewildering us with your, your plays and, and your willfulness to listen to us for an hour and a half, but um, thank you. Uh, the first stop of the Save Room Saves the World tour, we're coming to you. Now, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to make a, a further point, despite the fact how our intros go, this is a video game podcast. Like, you under, you guys understand that. Like, yeah. I know we talk about, like, blowing each other on air and whatnot, but, uh, you know, it, primarily about video games. <laughs> um, how have yeah. you been doing, my dude? Uh, <laughs> I, um... I'm okay. I'm doing this new thing. Uh, so today's Sunday. Uh, I have Saturdays and Sundays off. I Lucky. have not smoked a cigarette. Uh, Shit. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing with that? Hey, hey save roommates. Yeah, I smoke cigarettes. Um, and I got pretty bad with it at a certain point because people are like, well, how, how much are you smoking a day? And I'm like, when I, when you catalog, you never want to, by the way, that, that, that is not a number that you want to like, you know, comb through. Mm -hmm. It's not like fucking GTA and you're like, oh man, how many heists did I commit? It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't want to see the answer. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> and I got to a point where I was like, Ooh, I do not like the answer of how much I'm smoking in a day. And then the other factor was I've been feeling like kind of, um, 
kind of a weight in my chest. Now, to compound this, apparently both California and uh, Canada have been on fire. Uh, yeah, I think Vancouver most recently is why we're seeing all the smoke and, mm-hmm. and and air problems. So apparently the air quality, not so good. And I've been waking up like super congested and super like just feeling like somebody's been like, you know, sitting on my chest all night. Uh, despite that, smoking's not good for you otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, let me try it in increments. Like not try to go totally cold cur- turkey, but it's like if I'm not like, you know, facing the stress of a work day, like I probably don't need a cigarette. Like if I'm just chilling at home. So I'm trying that. And I'm also trying not to, like, you know, uh, punch a window or or get, like, super testy about stuff. Because I feel like I'm better about that. But, yeah. like, you never know until somebody points out, like, hey, by the way, your fist is through a wall. And you're like, oh, huh, sorry, I haven't had a smoke in a day or two. You know? I feel like your, your work-life balance is different now than it was where you were pounding cartons, like, a week. Like, I feel like <laughs> your life was probably more stressful when we were living in Florida. Uh, for whatever reasons, but here it's like, I don't oh, know. Oh, convention life was worse, because yeah. it was like, I'm going to step out, and oh, look, there's 50 other people that are running booths that are fucking uh, angry and sully and sucking down that nicotine death stick. So over time, I, w- I don't want to say the whole time since we've been here, but over time, um, and I say in the last six months, you have had less stressful reasons, less wall punching, more video gaming. Um, <laughs> more video gaming. A better gaming. quality of life. Yeah, better quality of life. And, um... Uh, compound that with the fact that, like, unlike my previous job, now I have, like, kind of a desk joppy, joppy, jo- <laughs> jockey sort of lifestyle, so you don't get that many opportunities to exercise. So I'm sitting at a desk all day, and all I do is, like, you know, go on breaks outside outside to smoke. Mm-hmm. That's not great for your health. No, it's not. Essentially. So I'm, I'm trying I mean, to find some sort of balance It would be there. fine if you were having some cool outside water cooler moments with your coworkers, mm-hmm. at least, like, talking, like, good video games or anything. Okay, okay. So that's a big thing that I feel like non-smokers, like, don't understand mm-hmm. i was talking about this on the stream yesterday actually really? which was funny because uh, somebody else in the chat was just like yeah man i'm trying to kick smoking too but it's like the hardest part is that networking that happens with smoking and people get confused by that but it's like hey when you work for like a corporation and you all do different things different departments the one meeting ground is that little stupid smoking area mm-hmm. that they cordon you off and it does not matter what level what rank what position you have, you are all the same in the smoking corner. Mm -hmm. You will hear shit you will not believe. But there's a little bit of a unifying factor there too. Because suddenly it's like, oh, hey, man, I know you. You're cool. And suddenly when you're walking around the common area inside the building, not in your nicotine hours, you suddenly you get a hello from this person Mm -hmm. that may be like, hey, above you or know somebody to get you somewhere. True. It's how you And a relationship builds and and moves along from there. Yeah, dude. That's cool. Yeah. I hear how that's actually how Jeff Kaplan came about the idea for um, Overwatch. He was smoking in the yard with his buddies. He was pissed about Dota. He's fucking punching walls because like his deadlines were killing him. And then one dude's like, why don't you just make a game like this? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, we'll call it Titan. And then we'll change it. We'll call it Overwatch. <laughs> Phase one, make a game. Phase two, cancel a game. Phase three, use the assets to make a new game. Overwatch, born one smoking break at a time. You thought about that over some camels. <laughs> I love this. Oh my god. I feel like we've gotten off the rails here from we our did. typical video game talk. So but apparently that's what they like in at least uh, the Netherlands. the Dutch with this conversation. Um, I want to know, man, what yeah. have you been getting down on lately? What have you been playing? Primarily yes. Dead Cells, Ooh, son. Dead Cells. Dead Cells. Dead Cells. That's all I had for that song. Okay. I have been enjoying the shit out of Dead Cells. Yeah. Um, if you didn't know, audience, and of course you fucking know, it is a Metroidvania game, which is to say that it should be called a Castle Roid, right? 
How do we not land on Castle Roy? Castle Roy sounds dope. Yo, this is a Castle Roy oh, genre shit, that game? That must be buff as hell. Right? <laughs> Yo, dude, it's it's definitely roiding out on that castleness. Yeah, it's got some muscles on it? <laughs> right. Okay. Like Vania. I don't know. Sound like it was named by a nerd. <laughs> it's a great game, and let me tell you, it's fast and fluid, Daniel. <laughs> I've heard. No, let me give you a sense of this one. So uh it is it's got some roguelike tendencies to it but it is of a much faster pace Mm -hmm. it is a hack and slash uh sort of reminiscent of strider if you remember that one i do uh and a little bit of sundered as well especially Mm. with in regards to its procedural generation so when you go through areas enemies will populate differently and even the areas you go through will be completely different so your whole point is to get through these runs. It's not about just like getting through like a castle or mm. a, I guess a Metroid and Metroids. That are, <laughs> are the areas called Metroids? I don't yeah, understand Metroids, the references. Yeah. Huh. Gotcha. And where's this chick play into into that? Does does the main character, Samus, does he know her? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So uh, you, the very interesting thing about this game is that you have these runs, essentially, that you have to do. Like, you, you're not going to get through a lot of your runs. You're going to die at some point, and you're going to start over, and you're going to have uh, the baseline health, baseline, you know, weapons and all that shit. But you get these things called dead cells, kind of like blood echoes mm-hmm. or... Souls. Souls. Okay. <laughs> there wasn't another one to that? There wasn't a... Soul Boys. Key, I they're, guess. They're dropping some Soul Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Keys? Yeah. Uh, and so you can uh, you meet up with this like uh, this fucking creepy dude that's wearing a giant like bottle on his back. He's blue and creepy. It's bottle great. back bill. And he's like, I'm the closest thing to a friend you have out here. Mm. And it's like, I don't want you yeah. as a friend, even <laughs> if that were true. <laughs> and you can turn in these dead cells in order to uh, unlock uh, new weapons. Unfortunately, the weapons will show up randomly throughout the environment, though. Keep mm-hmm. that in mind, even as you unlock them. Do you first have to unlock them for them to show up in the world? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not incredibly too sure about mm-hmm. the, the, the systems at play, but I do know you can't just like start with your you know preferred set of weapons. You may do runs where you never encounter the weapon that you're most comfortable using. So if you get like real handy with the dual blades, you may not get that again on your next run. It's interesting. Interesting? But it does, it changes up the play style like each time you do it. And if you can just kind of wrap your mind around the fact where it's like, don't get comfortable Mm -hmm. with whatever weapon set or whatever combination of like, uh, you also get these little droppables too, like these fucking uh, bear traps or things that shoot out, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Razor, uh, saw blades. They shoot out saw blades at the enemy. Um, don't get comfortable. You may not get it again. Interesting. But you're always plugging away at being able to get these permanent unlocks, such as having um, more uh, health vials, essentially. Because you you start with one, you can get two, you can get a third one, but it takes a lot of dead cells to upgrade that. Hmm. You get other upgrades where you're able to recycle weapons you don't want into just money. Because you can spend that currency at different points where you can just get like quick like, oh shit, this merchant who's just chilling out here in this prison for no reason is going to sell me uh, a bow and arrow set. Awesome, cool, I finally have an upgraded one to get through this run. So, the randomization uh, plays into, you know, it's like a gamble whether or not you're going to get through and have a good run. That You're going to get to, like, the clock tower or another area. You may just get to the first boss and get squashed because you don't have a weapon set you're comfortable with. That happens. Mm-hmm. However, I do want to say that out of all the games that feature death as a mechanic, 
I have minded dying the least in this game. Like, I don't mind. When I when I reset, it's going to be a new area that I'm going through. I mean, there, there's, like, common consistencies between each other, but, like, there's going to be a new pathway, new items to unlock. I don't know what I'm going to get. I kind of enjoy that. Hmm. I enjoy the I don't know what's going to happen-ness of the game. That sounds fascinating, actually. Yeah. You were talking about it to me, and I, I kind of saw you um, exercise it across like some of the streams you've been doing on uh, the Red Herb. Flexing streams. it, flexing it, flexing out there. That's Twitch.tv/slash The Red Herb. By the um, way, had a really good um, following come in yesterday when I played Dead Cells. A lot of cool people like mm-hmm. joining and following and just talking about the game. And a lot of them that were in the chat were just like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "I can't believe you haven't heard of this." Yeah. At least surrounding the controversy that recently kind yeah. of came up with it. Right, right. But just the idea of it, like, there, this idea of being uh, object permanence and this game being like, fuck it. And the fact that <laughs> yep. each run is very unique, like, th- it creates a variance of play. And I feel like each run, like, it will feel fresh each time and it'll never get boring because it's like, like you said, you're learning the game one way, but then it's like, okay, I die. I have to start with a new weapon. And the procedural generation is unlike anything I've ever heard of because, like, yeah, Sundered has procedural generation with the enemies to an overwhelming degree in some... But this, some, this has it with the levels. With the levels, which Sundered didn't have. So it's, mm-hmm. like, the fact that you could, like, strategize a run one way and they're like, fuck, I died, and then go to maybe tackle it the same way the second time, but then you're like, oh, I can't because this platform's here, or maybe there's a door here, or maybe there are enemies here that weren't. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it <laughs> really fucking is. And I want to do a specific shout-out, like, the, walking away from the mechanics of the mm-hmm. game. The music is fucking superb. Yeah, so the the music is a mix of like some synth and some like just strings and orchestral work. It's so fucking moody, but sometimes it's very driving hmm. to the action because because the nature of it is that you don't have to speed through it, but you are rewarded for doing that, speeding through levels and just like hacking it up and stuff. In fact, yeah, yes, you were telling me about the time doors. There are doors that if you arrive to them, they will tell you that like, oh hey, this is locked, and it locked two minutes and eleven seconds ago. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> if you got to it two minutes and 11 seconds before, like if you sped through the earlier parts of the game, you would have gotten uh, like a bunch of gold, maybe uh, mm-hmm. these scrolls that upgrade your um, like your health and uh, other components to you like dramatically. But the fact too that like, okay, you missed that door once, you missed it always because like yes. you might die and come back and that door is not going to be there. That so door is like, not going to be there. That's going to sit with you like, shit, I fucked up. What no, could have been no. behind that door? You just don't know because mm-hmm. there isn't fixed points in the game like that. So it it's really interesting. It, hmm. it really encourages replay and you get to this point where you do feel... You know, that your skills are increasing as you go through over and over. And one thing that a lot of um, uh, people that have played it have been bringing up, it's funny. The mm-hmm. game has a sense of humor to it. It's got these little... Uh, like with the NPCs or the item yeah, descriptions? A little, so your character is this headless fucking warrior who <laughs> has an orb head now because okay. that's the only way he gets like resuscitated from the dead. And he has little commentary. Like he'll he'll look at like pieces of the world that you can interact with and just kind of have like this really sardonic like take on it. But it's like fuck it. The guy the guy lost his head and he's running through like sewers filled with ghouls that are <laughs> shooting arrows at him. Of course he's gonna be that way. I mean, yeah, I'd have to be a sardonic dick too if that was my circumstance. It's just some of the humor is <laughs> fucking surprise like there's this one part where you come upon like um there's a woman's body hanging from the ceiling. And he goes up to it and he, he says a few words. Your character in little dialogue bubbles just kind of says like, oh, looks like she took the quick way out. And he, there's like a moment of silence like where you can say, you know, he's kind of reflecting. And then he's like, all right, I don't have time for this. He kicks the fucking body and item flies out of it. Jesus. And then he grabs it and goes away. 
Like, the game just does that. The fucking earthworm gym of our generation. <laughs> Pretty much. And, like, these little nuances and these little, like, asides that they certainly did not need to put into the game just show you that this is a game crafted that by people that loved making it. Mm-hmm. And I love playing games where you can get a sense of that. You know? So Dead Cells is definitely one of those. If you have not picked up Dead Cells, fucking consider it, son. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very interested in it. Um, they're just like a glut of, like, indie game style like that that I'm just kind of juggling between um and i also am kind of really interested in picking up death's gambit mm, tell me tell me what's drawing you in about death's gambit i think it's just the art style the level design the bosses the fact that it actually kind of is like a souls like metroidvania style game mm-hmm. and the fact that you have a castle roid a castle roid as we uh, previously <laughs> spoke on um the only thing that kind of like we spoke about before is uh the stamina bar would probably dissuade me a little bit because it seems like it's unnecessary in some of those situations mm-hmm. but i guess it does add like a, a level of difficulty to some of your runs and and strategic especially since i was watching some of the gameplay of that um it seems like it's a little faster pace than what you might find in a souls game mm-hmm. so the restriction of a stamina bar just doesn't seem to make sense yeah i've been watching a lot of like twitch plays of it and everything and it's just like the the rate of enemies that get thrown at you and like little projectiles it's like ooh. i think jim sterling had a video where he was saying it's like this is one of those games that like completely uh flagrantly apes dark soul style but doesn't understand why those mechanics were there to begin with mm-hmm. they just recognize them as dark souls and it's like they could have taken a second and been like you know this works for us but this doesn't maybe we shouldn't do that so that it's been i wouldn't it's been getting like okay reviews mm-hmm. from what i've seen but the art style does look gorgeous mm-hmm. and some of the fights i'm just like dude yeah it looks like 2d dark Souls. of course i want yeah, to play it's it very cool like if they ever retrofitted dark souls to like a nes or snes style like that right. would be it <laughs> could you imagine cool. uh yeah i i mean uh, it's worth checking out for sure but right now dead cells is taking up my yeah what a bad time to like launch both of those games at once because dead cells feels to me like 2d bloodborne mm-hmm. versus death's gambit being 2d dark souls and it's <laughs> like i'm always gonna lean towards bloodborne at yeah this point, as true. we're aware we have a whole episode about it by the way our our friends in netherlands have not found that one yet but uh it's pretty good we could use 50 more plays on that one because we're really hyped on that <laughs> Uh, what else have you been up to, dude? Nothing new in terms of gaming. I've been yeah. kind of juggling three older games. Um, no, n- nothing really major to report, so I'll just get there real quick. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch. <laughs> Reporting. I've been yes. sacking my fucking SR for Season 11 or Season 12, whatever fucking season we're on right now. I went from nearly plat to, like, I'm at, like, 2,026 now. So I lost, like, 400 points over the last few days. Um, I just, I guess the best of the best are just out playing You know, right once now. that used to mean something to me. I understood the ranking and levels, and now it's just gibberish. Yeah, same. Um, but outside of comp play, I've been playing a lot of McCree. Too much McCree. I'm fucking living, breathing, sleeping that cowboy life. He's just trying to get that one uh, trophy, right? Just trying to get that high noon trophy, man, oh, so I can sorry, complete dude. the trophy list. Um, Jesus Christ. I've achieved a level of mastery with his like other skill sets, like his fucking quick fire and his like shots and his stun. Like I've gotten really apt, and my, my accuracy has never been better. Help me out again. How many... Uh, consecutive kills do you have to get with his stupid dead eye? Oh, you just have to kill four people. Just four it. people? Yeah. You haven't done that? I've hit three. Three? Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure it's like way harder, like trying to get down a tank or something. Yeah, sometimes I like I choose to play him when I know that there are a lot more squishies on the team. So mm. if it's like five like really skinny people and then maybe like a tank, I'm like I can feasibly do this. But if it's like three tanks and a bridge, I'm like nah, I should play somebody else. By the way, for the <laughs> uninitiated, squishy refers to when a player character is made of the same consistency as a stretch Armstrong. 
Or us, because we're soft boys. We're very soft boys. So I've been playing a lot of that. Um, I don't know what I'm going to get the Platinum at this point, because it's very circumstantial. Um, I went back to Nier. I'm enjoying a lot more than I was before. Well, good, as you should. Yeah, I mean, as the gameplay has opened up a little bit more in terms of the open world and the uh, fast travel network and just getting into the boss fights, like, it's fucking raw. I like it. It's, uh... It's a good fucking game. I, I really want you to get through at least the third playthrough, man, because that's like the 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 rest are ancillary. The mm-hmm. rest are like throwaway endings. In fact, one of the fucking endings that you get in the game is just like you go left instead of right at the beginning of the game, and the the fucking space station blows up, and then credits. Yeah, that actually happened to me uh, during my playthrough <laughs> on stream, where like I was trying to help out these tree people, these existential tree fucks. I don't remember their names. Um, That's their names. Yeah. One of them is uh, John Paul Sartre wannabe. <laughs> anyway, um, I hated that one though. But so instead of like going on the mission directive, I accidentally went the wrong way because i didn't know where i was going and then it fucking the village blew up and things went along and then it was like it sped through the credits and i was like oh i just got the h ending what happened (laughs) so yeah i guess that that happens if you make little nuances to the game that you shouldn't in terms of decision you shouldn't you just did you just did um i don't know i've been having a lot of fun with it i do i want to credit it um because it is kind of like (sighs) the compounding of all the great elements of all my favorite square enix games Mm. in terms of like really great rpg systems or platforming or open world mechanics or traversals or how fast it is like the fashion of final fantasy uh 10 2 yeah yeah Yeah. or even uh the gameplay of dirge of cerberus which you know i'm dying to revisit uh yeah as you should (laughs) (laughs) but no i I appreciate that it kind of houses all those uh hallmark square enix styles so i'm playing a lot of that and the other thing i've been playing is we got into black ops 3 we did get into Black <laughs> Ops 3, and we did a little thing called the Blops Cops. Yeah. The Blops Cops go around, and as a favorite Activision, we uh, kind of clean up their servers. Now, I, I don't mean to say in any kind of technical sense, but we go around and make sure that none of the players are violating any of the laws of Black Ops as set by us. So, <laughs> Blops Cops, Blops Cops. Blops Cops, what, what you, you gonna, gonna do? do? <laughs> what you gonna do when I'm gonna serve it with you? <laughs> so, I mean, I got it for free following the E3 um, giveaway, where they're just like, here, have it for free. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I don't know if I'm ever gonna play this. I just wanted to play it because I wanted to play the Black Ops 4 beta, yeah. but some sort of fuck-up happened with Treyarch's site, and I couldn't, like, uh, redeem my beta key, so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just play Part 3. And we've seen some magnificent things, some Blade Runner-esque shit. It's wild! We saw we saw a it's robot made out game. of Rubik's Cubes. Uh, <laughs> we saw uh, Cool Runnings 2077. 2077 <laughs> fucking character. It looks like uh, straight out of, I, I don't know. I and don't then know. We, we encountered a man named Babs. Babs, Babs is running around with fucking um, boxing, boxing gloves, gloves, like beating us up like it's ready to rumble for the Dreamcast, killing us in one. <laughs> in fact, we just stopped like trying to get uh, the point in domination yeah. and just went after Babs, which was we named crazy. Babs, we were young. Babs, Babs around the corner. Babs, so, <laughs> we did that, that was our fun with that. It's it's been a wild and fun time, especially since I haven't played a Call of Duty game in like fucking ten years at this point. So fuck, we got to spool this forward, bro. I want to get into another thing. There's a massive PSN sale on uh the PSN. <laughs> They're doing this some sort of summer sale up until August 28th. You can get, it's a blockbuster sale, so you can actually get a lot of uh, big league games, and including God of Wars on sale, my dog. Oh, shit. Like, I think they had it for less than 40 bucks. What? Like 35 or something like that. That's a steal of a deal. Um, I personally picked up Burnout Paradise <laughs> Remastered for a uh, $14.99. Um, which is exactly how much I would have bought that for. Because when you play it again, they didn't do much to remaster it. It's just kind of there. And also, I've learned that as an adult, 
I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I feel like I, the, the save roommates deserve my pure honesty. Sure. Um, Guns N' Roses sucks. <laughs> and hearing Paradise City fucking 800 times every goddamn time I put that fucking game or turn that fucking game on is awful. It's awful. It's not a good song. It is not, Daniel. Okay? And that's my hot take. I'm not going to fight you on it, dude. That's my hot take. That's your first hot take of the episode? Oh, we'll get into that later, guys. Okay. Another thing I got for you, dude. I want to talk about this because it's a little hurtful to me. So Capcom announced they are doing a uh, Resident Evil 2 Collector's Edition. In fact, they already showed off. I already pre-ordered the U.S. edition. Now, they showed off the European edition, which is not too different than the one in the U.S., which comes in a big item box, comes with the Leon S. Kennedy statue, yada, yada, yada. But there is a few key differences that incense me as the world's biggest Resident Evil fan named Kevin Pape. Now, it, it comes with the RPD precinct keys, okay? For reference, that's the heart, spade, club, and diamond key. Mm-hmm. That hurts me a lot, Daniel. Let me explain to you a little bit why that hurts. Tell me. Back in 1996, E3, to promote the fucking release of Resident Evil 1 for the PlayStation platform, they gave away mansion keys Mm -hmm. to people that are, you know, attending E3, and they randomize it, too. In fact, that's one of the rarest items that you can get uh, associated with the franchise. Interesting. I didn't know that. To find the full set, too, of the four keys, near nine possible. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me they're coming out with with keys for my favorite fucking game of all time? Not just in the franchise, Resident Evil 2? And it's only in Europe? Daniel, I need need an herb. He needs a green herb. I need Um, a green herb to fucking heal that wound, dude. This is a call to arms for our save roommates in uh, Netherlands. Help Kevin out here. Help him get these precinct keys. And they're not doing like international shipping or whatever. What? That's so uh, weird. Yeah, because it's because like the, the the it's so heavy uh-huh. that it's just like not worth it. Yeah, it, it comes out to like two hundred and fifty in in US over there because it's like going for two twenty three euros or something like mm-hmm. that. I gotta wonder if that's like a local manufacturing thing where there's like a company out there that's just putting these keys out. I have to wonder too, yeah. like what what like why they threw that in there, but like. I'm why not. Can't we have? I'm here? not realistically too fucked up about it. Like I don't care, but still, it wouldn't really neat. I don't know. Makes me sad. Anyway, the other thing that they have in there is the Made in Heaven pin badge, which is like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I want that. Why couldn't you throw a stupid pin in my in my bundle? That's the one that's on the back of Claire's jacket? Yeah, okay. in the original Resident Evil 2. Okay. I don't think uh, she's wearing the same outfit in this one. But, um... <sighs> Alright, and, and then besides that, you know, I think I mentioned to you, they uh, this is for both collector's editions, they have a little... Uh, download key for the original game soundtrack and you can flip the soundtrack in the remake that's cool to use the original soundtrack i love the original soundtrack Mm -hmm. that that the fucking heavy organ tones and piano themes and shit just the save room theme itself Mm -hmm. from re2 that's one of the best ones from the franchise absolute favorite i think seven is edging it out for me because i really love that one sevens is cool because it like borrows from that like gustavo santa ala last of us feel and then also that kind of creepy japanese feel it's dope it, it, it <laughs> you feel comfortable but you know to stay anxious yeah it's such a good thing now the other thing that i want to point out that now this is some chicanery sir the japanese premium collector's edition which is about 900 dollars, is the full set okay like mm-hmm. with with the leon statue the game but and also comes with a lexington vintage typewriter bluetooth keyboard which wow. is basically a replica of the lexington typewriters but as a 
Bluetooth keyboard, <laughs> just like it sounds. Shit. Now, the funny thing is, they're actually going to sell that by itself in Japan for about 70,000 yen, which equates to uh, separately about $675. Okay? Here's what somebody online found, is that uh, the company is a U.S. company that manufactures these called Quirky Toys. Now, if you read that, it's it's a little... Like, it's like a play on the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, it's cute. arrangement, yeah. It's cute, right? <laughs> They actually sell that exact edition for just $249 on Amazon. Where are they based out of? America. Oh. <laughs> and the only difference between the one that's being uh, uh, sold in the RE2 edition is stickers. Little umbrella stickers and bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And like a little trim. That's a little fucked, man. That's a bit much. So wait, what all comes with the edition that you ordered? The stickers, the badges? No badges. Uh, it's uh, the DLC costumes, uh, the game, the RPD map, the uh. Statue of Leon, something else. I think the soundtrack, something like that. No replica book. of like the RPD department or anything crazy like Nothing that? Nothing crazy like that. No, Damn. no. Okay, no. you got snubbed there. Did I get snubbed there? I think so. I mean, no, it's... Okay, so the European edition is mostly that, but mm. it's just the mansion keys. Or I mean to say the RPD keys mm. in addition to the badge. That's it. Okay. Yeah, so it's all the same, but whatever, whatever. I'm just saying... Come on, y'all. <laughs> There's a lot of chicanery going Listen, on Listen, man, you at least got the remake. It just sounds like a, a Ubisoft thing to do, where it's like, hey, by the way, there's 15 editions of Assassin's Creed, and Europe like has one per region, Yeah, but none of them have the same things in it. And you have to climb to the highest points in these different cities all across Europe and sink the point, and then you get to find it. I'm sure there's like a good manufacturing reason why you're doing this, but it just makes it confusing, and you fuck with the completionists that actually adore your games. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, man, standardize that shit. And then one other aside that I want to make before we get into this shit is that there's this dude on Twitter... By the name of Marcus Sellers. I knew nothing about this guy until you came into my room and talked about him this morning. So enlighten us. Who is he? Marcus Sellers claims to be a video games journalist and is apparently partnered with Discord. Okay. Um, Now, Marcus, his whole thing is that he'll kind of... His business is leaks. He likes to leak things, say, you know, give insider information on his Twitter account to which a lot of games media folks call him out and go, that's incorrect information that you're fucking spreading out there. Or it looks like you're playing a guessing game and getting shit partly right. He's been called out about by other people who are actually known for legitimate leaks, uh, such as Liam Roberts okay. online and, or is it Liam Robertson's? I think I have it right. Anyway, forgive me, Liam. Now, he did one tweet talking about how the Nintendo or Nintendo is going to come out with a new Switch model next year that's going to uh, upscale to 4K and is going to have on board 128 gigabytes of internal storage. And it's going to be, essentially because of the 4K functionality, it, there's going to be some games that are compatible for the new Switch and not for the old Switch. Okay, well, I believe half of that sentiment, but the rest of it, I'm like, nah, that's a stretch, dude. That system can't do 4K. So my anyway. f- favorite part of this is that oh, the head of IGN, hmm? Per Schneider, <laughs> tweeted at him and said, hey, just saw this. Um, None of this, all of what you're saying is made up. And I would really, really caution that you don't just repeat whatever rumor you hear. Yeah. And then Marcus took down that tweet entirely. Because when a legitimate games media folk came in and said, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) He crumbled. Come on, dog. 
he's got a lot of things like that too where he's like these little faux predictions about shit like one being uh last of us 2 uh was shown off on pc at e3 because they intend to make it for both ps4 and ps5 and i'm just like well, come on dog uh, pc demonstrations are actually the most legitimate and graphically capable way to show off of a game like show mm-hmm. off a game that doesn't mean it's coming out for both those consoles at all mm-hmm. if anything it's more along the lines of what we talked about where it's like yeah that game's probably gonna come out tail end of the ps4 and they're probably gonna port it to the ps5 whenever at that some happens. point so right this dude acting is acting like his gaming is nostradamus when it's just like nah dude these are baseless facts that you're shouting into for the me void. and he's got a, he's got a pretty substantial following too about twelve point five thousand followers on twitter and i'm just like where are the links to your articles if you're a games journal like, yeah. who the fuck do you what who are you stop being a fucking clown man we have too many instances these days as of late of people that are fucking clowns in games media and, mm-hmm. and gamers with a capital g already have a stigma against games media folks Yes. An undue bias because they don't agree with their opinions and they think they're all paid off because some games media folks write about games that somebody may like that the writer does not. And that is apparently enough to uh, call conspiracy on. And so when you have people going out there making the, the folks that are doing legitimate good work and research look bad, fuck you. <laughs> Jesus. When you mentioned him too, and like the amount of followers I had, I was like, "Is he a parody account? Is he does he work like in line with like the Onion?" And you're like, "No, he's actually like believes and and feels like what he's putting out there is legitimate and factual." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> all right, good night." Yeah, you, no source, no credibility. All right, what do you got for me, Daniel? Um, we're gonna roll into uh, I think a few tiers of news here before we roll into our topic, which is gonna be uh, what the save room hot takes. Right, it's, uh, we'll get into it. We're gonna get, it's gonna be a fun one. We're playing with the format of this topic a bit. Um, As a program manager, I manage a program. That's what happened. (laughs) I'm proud of you. You wanted to do work outside of work, and I'm like, hey man, do do what you do best. And I let him play. Um, So I'm gonna roll into a little bit of soft news here. Kratos fanboys rejoice. God of War New Game Plus crashing onto consoles this week. Fans screamed for it, and Sony Santa Monica responded back like Jormund Gonder and delivered. In a free update patch coming Monday, August 20th, fans of the critically acclaimed God of War can revisit the story of Kratos and Atreus and their blood-soaked journey of redemption to the highest point in Midgard. But Sony Santa Monica is promising it won't be an easy task. Quote, Have you ever imagined that first test of strength defying battle with Baldur while adorning the Valkyrie armor on Kratos? You can with New Game Plus. How about a fully graded, uh, fully upgraded Leviathan axe at the start of the game? That will also be possible, and quite frankly, you may need it. New Game Plus won't be just a sunny stroll through Midgard. End quote. Launching exactly four months after its April 20, uh, 20th release with a horde of new features. <laughs> what? Why are you gonna be like that? <laughs> The update will allow players to start a new game plus mode with all of your weapon upgrades, accessories, and armor sets carrying over. New customizations to armor slots add to more granular leveling than before, and you'll even be able to collect a resource called Skag Slag to upgrade your armor sets to a new rarity level. If that isn't enough, it'll be chock full of harder enemies that will have you filling your rage meter and smashing down everything in your path. Additionally, you'll be able to skip all the cinematic cutscenes so long as you have already completed the game's main story once through. Good, cutscenes so boring. So if you're looking to reawaken the sleeping god in you, or you just want to dive back into that world, then look no further. <laughs> That's pretty cool, um, especially with uh, me getting the PS4 Pro. Oh, I didn't think when about Spider-Man that. comes out, I'm going to revisit that game like a motherfucker. So you're not going to jump on it right away? No, no, no. no I, honestly, we did just come off of it like three months ago at this point. Yeah, I need a little recharge after I come. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. <laughs> I think like I've just, I've been thinking about that game every day. 
since wow. I since I beat okay? it. Yeah, uh, no. Is that man. why you're wearing the face paint right now? <laughs> yeah, huh? I'm shirtless. I'm very ashen and uh, <laughs> I'm very vascular right now. <laughs> incredibly vascular, guys. Except, I really can't <laughs> overstate how vascular Daniel is. I mean, in comparison to a lot of the games I played this year, it had a very profound <laughs> effect on me and one that resonated. And I just like I like I'm gonna echo a lot of people. I wish I could wipe my memory and play that game fresh again. And this gives me that opportunity. Um, So I'm probably going to jump back into it. It launches tomorrow uh, when this episode comes out. I don't know when that's going to land, but Monday, August 20th is when it comes out, essentially. And uh, I kind of want to just stream it and play it again for a bit and get back into that world. That would be cool. And not get obsessed with, like, all the collectibles and all that other stuff and rather just, like, take on the story, maybe engage in the photo mode because they added that a little after we finished it. Oh, yes. Um, And just play around with this because, I don't know, I... I want more. You want more God of War? I do. And um, like we discussed before, it's not like Horizon Zero Dawn and that Horizon Zero Dawn had like the new game plus and hard trophy added with their update that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the same. So like no new trophies. It's just, I'm, I'd be doing it just to do it. Yeah. But I don't know. We're ending the end of backlog season here and I don't know when I'm going to get to do it again. That's true. So uh, yeah, see, that's going to be a little harder for me. Cause like, like I said, when Spider-Man comes out, like everything's dead. That game has to be legitimately bad for me to, like, consider other games in the month of September. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be no, I think that game, it has showed us so much up front already, and it all looks very promising. Indeed, sir. But and we're probably going to do a whole episode on it. I'm hoping so. Yeah. We kind of planned out the next few episodes. We'll see what's good. Did we? Uh, we did yesterday. You did. I did. Oh. I got a next thing for you, dog. What do you got for me, man? I got a new feature on the save room called the port report we have so many moving features what do we got we got shout out article neat yeah. tweet the port report pixel litigation pixel litigation well we haven't had a good lawsuit in a while so that, <laughs> that feature has not come back for quite a few episodes okay. but this is the port report <laughs> number one originally leaked by a light switch forcing blizzard's pr team to lie through their goddamn teeth the company made official that Diablo 3 is hellbound for the Nintendo Switch. They really did. They lied about that. You remember that? Where they are just like, this does not mean that anything, there's currently no plans to part of them Switch. Da, 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 da. Fuck you, PR. Yeah. Fucking liars, well, man. Well, no, they had to save face. Fuck your face. You know how, like, you know what Ubisoft does when they get their shit leaked? They go, here's a trailer. You found us out. Buy it. Here's our pre-order details. You're in. God damn it. Anyway. Dubbed Diablo 3 Eternal Collection, this edition cobbles together the base game, the Reaper of Souls expansion, Challenge Rifts, and Adventure Mode, which is unlocked from the start. The Crusader and Necromancer classes, introduced as DLC, will be a part of the game's playable roster, too. GameSpot spoke to senior producer and underworld seducer, Pete Stilwell. Pete says this is the next evolution of the Diablo 3 experience, calling the portable console's ability to allow for offline, local play between multiple Multiple switches, quote, really powerful, end quote. <laughs> Here's some cool shit Blizzard said the port can do. Here we go, bullet list. The Switch's online service will automatically upload your save files to Nintendo's cloud so you can both uh, so you can both backup saves or transfer them to other devices. Pete says, quote, if you're on a buddy's uh, Switch, you can load your file and get the character you want in the game too, end quote. Right. Online multiplayer will be available at launch. The game will run at 60 frames per second, both in handheld and docked mode. Game display will be 720p on the go, 960p on the dock. 
The port will support <laughs> the port will support all of the Switch's controller configurations except for touch. Don't touch it. <laughs> there will be Nintendo exclusive content, including the ability to transform your appearance to that Zelda bad guy Ganondorf. More importantly, you can get a pet cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah. Little chickens that you little, get to smash with your sword? Little chicken that you get to smash with your sword. They get to be your friend in this one. If it's, is it blue? We don't know. Unconfirmed. The blue one's the most special That's one. That's sacrilegious. Now, Diablo 3 Eternal Collection is coming this year with Blizzard aiming for the congested fall season. Though they haven't provided an exact date. They have, however, provided an exact price of $59.99. <laughs> Which is, I gotta say... I understand that it's like all the content that's ever come out for Diablo, but still fucking deep, like steep for a game that's been out for what, three years at this point? More. More than that, huh? It came out at the end of 2012 or maybe beginning of 2013. Exactly. So that game's been out for five years. It's been released simultaneously across, I don't even know how many consoles at this point, because it was on the PS3, the PS4, (sighs) PC, the Switch. So 60 bucks is a little steep, especially for the consumer has already bought it so many times. For me, it's kind of a value prospect because I haven't bought any of those iterations. I actually haven't played the Reaper of Souls edition or mm-hmm. any of those extra acts that they added or anything else. So for me, if I wanted to pick the game up again on the Switch, it'd actually be perfect because there's a glut of content. There's way more there. They've had way more support for it since I last played it. Um, but I I don't know. It's a very Nintendo thing to port a game, repackage it, and price it at 60 bucks. Like, it they're so really immovable is. on those price points. It's like, why not, like, shave it down to 50 or 40 People will buy it, especially well, in the fall season, it, which is overpacked. Gotcha. It makes me think, uh, is it really that difficult to like kind of translate these games or convert them and develop them for the Switch, and that's a part of the pricing? I mean, keep in mind, what's the difference here? They're putting games onto a cartridge versus a universally accepted Blu-ray disc. You know that I'm not sure what the behind-the-scenes is of that, but that's got to add to their cost. It's and, true. And that's why we're seeing games like fucking L.A. Noir that have been out for 1,000 years mm-hmm costing fucking like 40 to 50 bucks for no fucking reason you know and then i see some bullshit like especially with some of the capcom games where it's like a resident evil revelations collection uh only one of the games is actually on the cartridge you got to download the other one it's like it makes me wonder about it's like damn what are the limitations and how hard is it to port games to the system you mm-hmm. know because like look at wolfenstein uh, bethesda already has their uh their ears wet with some switch ports yeah so pff, fucking bethesda is not blizzard forgive me <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> but like look at that company and fucking wolfenstein we were at gamestop the other day it was wolfenstein 2 was still fucking 60 bucks and it was just like wait 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 i can buy this for literally like 30 bucks on the ps4 over there what's going on yeah you know i i I don't know to me that that tells me it's a manufacturing thing Uh, i mean you could that's a very astute um observation there it could be true uh because like we've we've said before and like you just said across the last few generations porting has happened from blu-ray disc to blu-ray disc or disc to disc and i feel like it's a lot easier to transfer that data we haven't had the instance of transporting that sort of stuff to cartridges in a really long time Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it comes down to retrofitting the the information to a cartridge i don't know how that works i'm not um a designer i'm not I'm not a person who knows that sort of stuff. So we're, we're not the know-hows. We're not the know-hows. Um, we don't know how. So yeah, there's probably a lot more legwork that goes into it. But we're just the end user, and the end user says, like, damn, 60 bucks? A little, little hard for Diablo 3 for mm-hmm. something that's been out for years and years. 40 bucks, on the other hand, done deal. Yeah. Done fucking deal. That's a great value proposition. 
I would almost be inclined to say, and I'm not a business analyst. Let me let me let me say no, this right now. But I'm almost inclined to say that if you release this game at forty bucks, you'll see more sales on it, more unit sales than you would at the sixty dollar price point. So, yeah, especially like we just said, it's coming out in fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is coming out in fall? Spider Man, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Battlefield Five, mm-hmm. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. So like, it'll have a better rate of survivability. I think they're just maybe hoping that people will recognize the name Diablo and Blizzard and just go yeah. from there. And now I do want to point out it is an exciting thing. This is the first time that a Blizzard game has come to the Nintendo console in 15 fucking years. Yeah. The last game being StarCraft 64. <laughs> Holy shit. Which was dog. an interesting experiment unto itself. Yes. Because uh, that game wasn't even what it was in its truest form. It was like fitted differently for the N64. <laughs> so the fact that this is like the purest form of Diablo, even the best version coming to the Switch, like, that's cool. And it'll be interesting to see if Blizzard takes more risks like that. And to be fair, they're right about that functionality, man. Me not having to really worry about, like, you know, online play and Mm -hmm. just do local play with some buddies and shit. I'm kind of into it, man. Especially Diablo on the go just fits for me. Like, any kind of isometric like hack and slash game seems like it's a perfect fucking fit for the switch it really is like having played games like um hollow knight and just like that dungeon crawly sort of feel like yeah that's gonna be at home it's good for dungeon crawlers i'm seeing a fucking upsurge of dungeon crawlers coming out for the system so i'm into it the what do you got cloud feature is that through blizznet or is that through that would be through nintendo that'd be through nintendo for sure so you would have to use the online service for that function i believe which i i don't know any more details Hmm. about the uh, nintendo online right now a lot of people now are screaming that the next big thing to probably come between this partnership between blizzard and nintendo is overwatch and Eh. i'm not sure that we're going to see that just yet. I'm not sure I would want that or care for that. I'm not sure I would either. It's worked out for Fortnite um, magnificently. Yeah, that's um, true. That's a good point. But those, I don't know. Those servers are optimized differently and they would have to fix the chat functionality. Because with Fortnite, I think all you have to do is you just plug in your headphones into the, the mic slot and you're able to con- contact the, uh, the game chat. Mm. So there's no like app for it. There's no like friendsless system at play there so none of that nightmare scenario they detail for splatoon 2 no none of that where it's like you gotta fucking contact your local congressman and hopefully <laughs> you can get into a party chat if he says yay or nay yeah. to your request <laughs> and then you have to get him in your discord <laughs> right then miyamoto's gotta like kind of check out your house <laughs> make sure it's a safe environment a lot of checks and balances there <laughs> yeah, with the it, chat it was a little nuts there all right i'm gonna move on to the next thing number two mr daniel is fulbright's critical darling gone home is coming to the nintendo switch this this month we're still in the port report by the way i figured originally released on pc back in 2013 the first person exploration game sees a 21 year old woman returning home from her travels to find her family's house empty during a storm leaving players to unravel a domestic mystery that centers around the protagonist's missing younger sister when gone home first launched with no combat and an emphasis on simple exploration combined with weighty emotional themes the portland-based studio had no idea the impact the game would have on the industry in an exclusive interview with variety i recommend you check it out studio co-founder steve gainer said quote when gone home came out people looked at it and said what is this this isn't even a thing this isn't a way of relating the games that i'm used to Obviously, tons of people still are not into what we make, but you can see Gone Home has spoken to games like Firewatch, or even when you look at non-combat exploration in Uncharted 4, there's an element of being in a place and finding out stuff, end quote. 
Gone Home for Switch is priced at $14.99 and will release August 23rd. So cool. next week. Way to celebrate. Congra- also, congratulations on five years, too. Seriously. Also, on that point, I want to say that uh, even Gainer went to Twitter and was like, I played Resident Evil 7, think it's great, but like honestly, there's a lot of Gone Home in this game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You could find Gone Home anywhere. You- Pokemon Snap. It's true. They took a look at games like an Amnesia and Gone Home to make RE7, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I think... Gone Home is a magnificent fucking triumph. Mm-hmm. It's a small game, an intimate game, and it's not even, as he even pointed out, traditionally a video game. But it's such an important experience, and it's such a, it's such a cool way to use a medium. And especially he, there's this kind of about face in the game where you think it's this horror thriller mystery, mm-hmm. and then the more you unravel, it turns to it's not a horror story; it's an actual love story. Yeah, and it's somber and it's sweet and it's. The biggest plot twist in that game, not to spoil it for you, is that it ends on a message of just utmost hope mm-hmm. and acceptance. It is a fucking triumph. If, if, you, if you've not played Gone Home, please do. Do yourself a service. Keep your mind open and understand that it's not gonna—it's not an action game, mm-hmm. and it, it is very much what we now call a walking simulator. Mm-hmm. Okay, not something that this game didn't—you know—propagate that originally. Mist is kind of a walking simulator yeah. if you really want to get down to the bare bones. But it's bones more of, of it. like the adventure game interactive story feel. Correct, correct. So uh, I feel I, like we always have to double explain that. For I some know reason. for like, some reason, whatever. It's a very special game, and it has a lot of imitators, and has a lot of people that have really paid homage to it in very successful ways and i do agree with some of what he's saying like again like we just said re7 owes a lot to gone home oddly enough you know i i've done myself a disservice because i haven't played it Mm. and to be fair i actually haven't played a lot of the games in that style um gone home tacoma firewatch um i just missed the boat on a lot of those Mm. but i am really interested in checking it out now maybe not on the switch but maybe i'll check it out on like the ps4 or something because it does tell a really insular important story the narrative there is really deep and impactful and people have been raving about it for five years for a reason they got me raving for it and i think you know me well enough like you wouldn't imagine that maybe gone home would be on my list Mm. of games that i would be super into no that style of game while i think you could appreciate we are touching feet with my footsie um (laughs) Those style games, you can pay them respect for what they do for the medium in terms of storytelling or video games as art, but like, I don't think it's your go-to sort of game. No, you're more a, of like a gameplay-first kind of guy. But this is a stellar example yeah. of that genre. And I gotta say, uh, I know you don't have a big interest in playing on the Switch. I am happy to see a mature, very thoughtful experience on the Switch, a very experimental yeah. experience uh, make it onto the Switch, because I feel like these experimental wayside games that we don't like, we hear about them, but don't get bubbled up to the forefront in people's minds as much as the God of War. Mm-hmm. They need a platform. They need a platform that's championing them. And it seems like Nintendo wants to foster that kind of household for for these indie devs and these cool experiences. And I gotta say, motherfucking salute. I don't agree with you every day, Reggie, but some days, you do good, buddy. Nah, you do good. They're killing it with the Nindy support. Uh, they really are. And I hope we're only three months from the uh, Nindy port of I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. <laughs> because that would feel really at home there. What a pool! <laughs> That's a good pool. And I would buy that instantly. On the Switch, yeah. Alright, I got another entry here. This news is less celebratory. <laughs> the Spyro Reignited Trilogy is having trouble getting the ignition started. Developer Toys for Bob announced on the Activision blog, I, I didn't know they had one, <laughs> that the remastered collection won't take flight until November 13th, nearly a two-month push from its initial September 21st release date. 
Studio head Paul Yon says the delay is simply a matter of, quote, getting these games right, end quote. In his letter to fans of the Purple Fire Puffer, Paul said, quote, I really hope that you would be rescuing dragons and scorching Rhinox, whatever, sooner, but the trilogy needs more love and care, end quote. Newsweek, obviously just as bored as I am with vague public statements vetted by a 23-year-old PR rep, says there's more to this story. Newsweek points to a YouTube video made by one Yang Ye, who cites an unknown source close to the project. Earlier this month, it was found that the game's official website had some throwaway legalese revealing that the second and third games in the trilogy would require internet access to download, indicating that only the first Spyro game would actually be stored on the retail edition's disc. Youch. Hmm. Yang Ye's source, sorry if I'm getting that wrong by the way, Yang Ye's source says Toys for Bob was against this decision, but Activision enforced it so the game would hit its September release date. Additionally, the source says that only two-thirds of the collection are essentially finished, with the third game, Year of the Dragon, still requiring a fair amount of programming. With fan backlash over the downloadable dilemma, and a game still needing polish, the source says the developer is using this ex extension to dump all three games on disc and make sure quote, the extra time was worth the wait, end quote. Of course, this has not been substantiated or confirmed. I want you to be aware mm -hmm. of. A lot of speculation. But that's the right fucking move, folks, because why, so. why are you going to release a physical set that, like, makes you do that? I think that's such a bullshit maneuver, and I think it's only appropriate when it's something like, you know, oh, hey, here's some extra DLC content, mm -hmm. but here's the main game complete, you know, feature complete. Otherwise, you don't have an excuse, man. Do not sell a retail set that only includes one-third of the expected collection. It seems like easy math, okay? You can't follow up a remastered collection like the Crass Bandicoot collection and do something like that. Like People are going to be like, ooh, no, you kind of fucked up. Or there's something wrong with this end product. So I'm I sorry, think, it's not a good look. I don't agree with it at all. I think holding on the release date, taking more time to massage it, put time and energy and assets into it, and making it the best quality game that it could be is the perfect way to go especially since we haven't seen a spiral game in years um i think most recently what spiral ended up in those um what the the sort of toys in game world? oh you mean skylanders skylanders yeah the bastardization of the dragon yeah so <laughs> that, that's like one of the most recent incarnations of spiral we've seen so i appreciate them taking the time here and uh, not handling this in a very haphazard, sure, money-grabbing way. I gotta tell you, it sounds like Toys for Bob really does care about this product, even if it's just a simple remastering. And let's be fair, it's not a simple remastering. They're going the crash route and mm -hmm. really putting some work into to bringing this game into uh, the modern-day era. Yeah, I've seen know? some side-by-sides, and the graphical overhaul looks stellar it looks cool i you know we talked about this before i've never really been super into like a lot of these like spyro and crash and yeah. all these other games the mascot that, games that, yeah the mascot games that make up people's childhood you know because gex is the closest i got and honestly mm -hmm. i would totally buy a gex remastered collection <laughs> i would i think i told you i i'm a bigger spyro fan in my head than i actually have right to be because i've never owned a spyro game and i've only ever played it like on other people's consoles or like at fucking like best buy when i'm waiting for like my aunt or grandpa to finish their purchases <laughs> yeah. but like i've loved my time with it it's very charming the gameplay is satisfying and like it speaks to that n64 kid in me who loves those like semi mini open worlds with collectibles and shit so i don't know i'm excited for this one
More than the Rocket Robot on Wheels. Oh, Rocket Robot <laughs> on Wheels is so good. Sorry. That was my first Ubisoft game and like I still talk about it. To you this know what's day. funny? It's like I I didn't go after the, like the mainline mascot games, but I went for the ones that tried to be a mascot franchise, like, but like Buck Bumble. I was going to say Buck Bumble. Like those weird offshoot ones. <laughs> and they never went further than like one or two of them before just sputtering into obscurity. Well, yeah, they knew not to overstay their welcome. I don't think that was necessarily it beyond uh, <laughs> nobody responded. <laughs> that, that too. All right, let's get real somber. This is kind of a follow-up uh, from last week's topic. I wanted to kind of condense this into a news thing. I know that some people would be like, why are we still talking about this shit? But I want to talk about it because this seems like the the bow on the story. Sure. Okay. I don't feel the need to go heavy into it, but no. it is worth mentioning. That's why I feel like the write-up covers it all. If yeah. you want to just kind of you know backflip elsewhere or just hit end on record after mm-hmm. I'm done talking, that's fine, buddy. Okay? But if you're into that plagiarism play that we talked about earlier... Ooh, ooh mm. that involves the uh, the clothespins yeah. and, <laughs> and the blindfolds. That's a different thing. Yeah, that's we're going Dutch thing. on you. We're going. Ooh, let's do it. That's a Dutch Dutch oven. I don't want to experience. Now, number four, IGN has removed all content contributed by former editor Philip Muchin from their website after it was discovered the majority of his works were copied from other writers and creators. After having allegations leveled his way over a Dead Cells video review that was apparently plagiarized from a small YouTuber named Boomstick Gaming, Muchin released a softballed apology video on his own channel. Mutant was criticized for not issuing a direct apology to Boomstick Gaming or admitting to his acts of plagiarism relating to the Dead Cells review and beyond. In fact, Mutant said all similarities to Boomstick's Dead Cells review were unintentional. In the video, which has since been taken down, Muchin also claimed that Kotaku News editor Jason Schreier, who wrote an article showing that portions of a Nintendo Life review were also repurposed by the former IGN editor, was simply leading a smear campaign against Muchin for the sake of clicks. In that video, Muchin invited Schreier to, quote, keep looking, end quote, and, quote, please let me know if you find anything, end quote. <laughs> well? You can't challenge Jason Schreier, for one. Nah, well, the internet looked and found more glaring examples of Muchin's plagiarism spanning not just his time at IGN, but within his own YouTube channel. A shocking number of similarities were found between Muchin's work and that of publications such as Polygon, Engadget, the gaming form in NeoGAF, and, in perhaps the most you-can't-make-this-shit-up part of this story, it appears Muchin's Octopath Traveler op-ed for IGN rips content from another IGN writer's review of the game. <laughs> IGN news editor Dan Stapleton took to Twitter with an update on how IGN is vaporizing Muchin's content. Quote, We've seen enough now, wrote Stapleton, both from the thread, uh, I think I believe he means on Reset Error, and our own searches that were taking down pretty much everything he did, end quote. <laughs> the aim is to assess what content can be put back up if found to be original and what needs to be re-reviewed, much in the same way that Dead Cells video review was replaced by a new piece by another editor. It's a struggle, and the process will take time. IGN's editorial manager, Justin Davis, had this to say on the matter, and it would seem his co-workers echo this sentiment, quote, Deeply disappointed and upset that it's looking more and more likely that we unwittingly hosted work that was directly lifted from, or at best, heavily derived from others. I assure you, we are taking very active steps to remove it all and make it right. I feel betrayed. End quote. Now, 
Disclaimer, everyone, the bulk of this news was lifted from Damian Mason's coverage as found on kitguru.net. You can keep looking for stolen nudes in this podcast. Please let me know if you find anything, Jason Schreier. Oh, shit. Kidding. Kidding. No, but his uh, his article was a good resource because he kind of collected the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I just wanted, I wasn't, like, none of his words are yeah. really used in this, but I did want to say he is a source. There we go. See? Because it's all about just citing sources. Okay? That's all you got to do. That's all you really got to do. Or be forthright. Um, or make original work. Either or. Let me ask you something. Are you surprised by this sort of gradual reveal that we're finding more and more instances of having lifted other people's work or... Incredibly so because the story gets more and more bizarre because as we're finding out, it's less about him just acting on, you know, little little individual basis. It's like, the bulk of your work is stolen, my dog. Your persona is a lie. You are a fraud. They found in his LinkedIn that that's like a template that you can find online. Wow. Like the information there. Like, everything about him is fraudulent. Is he even real? And I want to know. It's like, dude, what got you here? Who are you? I I know that people like Danny Danny O'Dwyer online were just like, don't give him a forum anymore. Don't mm. interview him. Blah, 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 blah. I would love, love to have Jason sit down with this dude just and have a discussion him. and just be like, what got you here, man? Mm. What were you thinking? And how into this are you? Was this kind of like a fake it till you make it situation? Or did you just feel like you weren't confident enough in your own work and you just kind of kept on digging and, and couldn't see the light anymore? Like what I want to, this is fascinating. Not because it's like, I understand there's a whole component to it being very hurtful, especially some of his reviews with the information that they're in there. One developer was just like, dude, he hurt sales of our game because there was misinformation that he found from some fucking bad resource mm-hmm. and published it. And on. did it fact check or yeah. do the research himself. Right. Publish shit on ign and he was pissed he was like this is fucked up he's like i, I like that ign's doing this but they should have caught this earlier because this fucking hurt my business and it's a, it, like there's a responsibility to that medium mm-hmm. to games media and this guy just had no breadth of that no concept of that i honestly think if anybody ever sat down with him we would never get the full story anyway because i feel like he's really committed to this bit in this identity he'll never admit to it at this point. it could be pathological so he it could be pathological mm-hmm. deeply psychological i don't think we're ever going to get that genuine uh conversation i want it i want it so bad that's not gonna happen i know i know because um, that's usually how it goes he's he's gonna go away into the dark and we may never hear from him again for it, sure it just sucks because he had the opportunity and the um responsibility to own up to it and kind of like really save face for ign and do uh diligence to his co-workers and the the gaming world itself and just be like hey I, I fucked up i was lazy or whatever the scenario was and i just couldn't put in the time to do this and i just i liked what this dude was doing and i lifted it it's it's crazy to me and this is me really echoing what other people have said because i didn't really think about it like that but a lot of what he lifted to is other people's opinions mm-hmm. about gaming and did he not have his own it's like I, a good question like did he just not care about the the material that it was like given in front of him like mm-hmm. you know what was it like oh of course like i would fucking want to die if you gave me a fifa 18 review to yeah. do by the end of the week it, was that it but like he just wasn't interested in like the content that he got hired for like i want to know these i things. get as a reviewer and at, maybe as a um freelance writer that you get hired on to do whatever they put at you because they need games to be reviewed they have a lot of games that come in sure it's a job it's a job yeah and that gets overwhelming i don't think i could do it on that level on a weekly basis i can barely (laughs) write one review a year so like i imagine it is very stressful Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I guess, yeah, if you do start initially, you're like, well, I don't like FIFA 18, so I'm going to lie about this. It just becomes a spiraling path of, well, I'm going to keep doing it because it was easy and nobody caught me. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. He just didn't think he was going to get caught. And it's not like he was completely, <laughs> like, untalented. The, no. the dude was proficient at editing. Yeah. Unless that's a lie, too, and he had, like, somebody else doing right. it for him. I doubt that that's true. You could barely survive an IGN salary in San Francisco. Let me tell you what. That's what I've heard over and over. <laughs> yeah. It's rough out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know what? Let's... I'm interested if we ever hear a follow up on this story, mm-hmm. if we ever hear from him where he legitimately is like just honest about what got him there, where, why he did the things he did. Mm-hmm. I would be all game, all years. I know nobody wants to give him a platform, but da 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 A lot. It's pe- not what good journalism is, and Jason made that point. That's true. We ask people questions to understand. Somebody was saying it doesn't matter regardless of the situation. This dude could have killed somebody, but you still want his story. You still want to talk to him and Correct. figure out where his head was at. And it's like, yeah. Um, I think it was Colin Moriarty said that they, Charles Manson, one of the most reviled men in, in American history, even he was interviewed and spoken to at great length. So it's like, yeah, this dude, he might have committed. I, a- I do want to go on a side branch and talk about how that man doesn't understand how that's a really overblown fucking statement <laughs> when we're talking about an IGN Nintendo editor. I know. He <laughs> he thinks in hyperbole sometimes. Like, are you okay? <laughs> but no, it was an excellent point. Like, Is okay. he sick? <laughs> I think he's sick these days. We we should be able to give these sort of wrongdoers the right to speak and, and say yeah. where their head was at. But it's clear that he doesn't want to. He's declined to comment on many instances. So I don't know. We're going to get that story, like I said. Well, we, we also got to keep in mind, he's probably getting a lot of fucking internet hate, including he's even said death threats and threats against his family. So mm-hmm. maybe he's right in not wanting to do anything beyond what he already did was... I mean, hell, his video was pick the fuck apart. It wasn't even that bad. It was just like it was bullshitty. But everyone was just like, look at this criminal. <laughs> well, yeah, it was kind of like tactless. And like, dude, if you yeah. wanted to approach it with a sense of humbleness and, and deep apology, you did it wrong. You done, you done wrong, but I want to know why you done wrong. That's it. That's yep. what it is. Buddy, can you take me to somewhere more positive take when it comes to... He, we don't want to hear his voice right now. Let's hear somebody else's. You want to hear somebody else's yeah, voice? What's, what's your shout out of the week, dude? So I'm getting pretty consistent with this. I guess yeah. there are some good articles coming out weekly that I'm just really into. Um, so shout out article of the week this week. It's called The Game Changers. Yeah. Meet the creatives shaking up the gaming world. It's by Simon Parkin of The Observer, which is, I guess, mm. an over or a subset of The Guardian. Oh, no shit. Okay. I don't know how to say that correctly. But the it Guardian? Yeah. No, like the subset part. Like it is. Subsidiary. Subsidiary. Thank you, Kevin, mm-hmm. for no just problem. being the better host and speaker here so it examines you got six bigger dick it's cool bde we didn't talk about dicks this episode yet so we had to yeah yeah <laughs> you're welcome blue <laughs> oh shit <laughs> um but it basically is an interview uh dissection with six of the biggest uh names in game design and gaming industry right now um neil Druckmann, nina yeah. freeman jeff kaplan uh yeah. robin hunick Pauli perducini robert yang these six people who are from different uh reaches of the industry mm-hmm. all examine and talk to you about like their influences why they got into gaming um why it's important to them it's just a really really fascinating read and it, it hones in the scope of some of i don't know people you might look up to in the industry and it creates a sort of like down-to-earth conversation with them about why they love what they do and it's i don't know it's a really great read i'm not gonna pull quotes from it or try and you know summarize it i'm but, gonna 
do it. I got one for you. So Half-Life is brought up a few times because, like, you know, the uh, interviewer asked, like, what has inspired you, what got you here, yeah. how has video games made your life better, and we get some really insightful, just very humanistic answers. It's very well written. In fact, I felt dumb reading it because I was like, <laughs> this is so eloquent. Fuck. Yeah, because I, I opened it up, too. I wasn't sure the level of caliber it was going to come out with, like, the questions or even, like, the way it examined things. I was like, oh, shit, but, this uh, is legit. I do want to give a specific shout-out to one of the designers on here. His name is Robert Yang, or a game developer, I should say. Uh, he is a creator of a game called Rinse and Repeat. Uh, he has a quote about Half-Life that is my favorite like description of Half-Life ever. Mm-hmm. So he was asked, uh, which video game made you first want to make video games and why? And his response was, Half-Life 1 is a 20-year-old B-movie sci-fi shooter game where you shoot monsters and men, blah, 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 blah. But more importantly, there are some men you don't shoot. And you can wordlessly tell these men to follow you down dark alleys and dripping tunnels. It's intensely erotic. (laughs) And I agree. That should be on the box. (laughs) It's intensely erotic. If they ever remaster it or port it to the Switch. (laughs) Can we we tell Gabe? Gabe, when you do the orange box too, make sure this quote's on the cover. (laughs) Oh, a fantastic article though. Good pool. I didn't even catch this article. Uh, Well, it actually just dropped today. Um, that's why I didn't today, catch Sunday, it. August 19th. I was too busy writing all this bullshit about Nintendo games. And uh, <laughs> uh, On the flip side, he also asked the same question to Neil Druckmann, uh, which mm. video game made you first want to make games? And he also says Half-Life. Um, he said, the seminal 1998 shooter in which he plays a doctor who must fight his way out of a research facility following a botch experiment was unlike anything I had ever experienced in a game before. It made me want to dissect and figure out how the developers were able to achieve that. And that's cool. You see some of that influence in games like Uncharted and The Last of Us. And mm-hmm. I don't know, that initial like mindset of what was present in that game. And it's cool. What I love <laughs> uh, that the writer that I love that he pointed this out about Neil Druckmann in particular, that uh, Naughty Dog's games have a very Spielbergian kind of feel to them because they are these big blockbusters that somehow, sometimes deal with these kind of cliched themes, but have their own spin on it. I mean, Uncharted would be a bigger example than Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Last of Us very much feels like a uh, The Road come to life, yeah. an interactive The Road. Uh, great article, really great insights. And I, I want to jump on this because a little book came into the mail uh, by a Mr. Jason Schreier. We are big fans. Mm-hmm. Thari, we're Schreier heads. Shriniacs. <laughs> Schreier Shires. Uh, Schreier Shires. Schreier Sires, actually. That's what it would be. Schreier Sires. We're Schreier Sires. We're erecting a Schreier shrine <laughs> as I, we speak. I picked up off of Amazon his book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which details, uh, as in his words, it is compiled through um, interviews with over a hundred game developers wow. from different studios detailing the the basically behind the scenes stories for games like uh, Obsidian's mm-hmm. Pillar of Eternity or uh, Dragon Age Inquisition or Halo Wars is in there. I think Destiny's in there. Just these very, some would say it's a brutal, in fact, NAPR representative would say it's a brutal hard look at the industry, but mm-hmm. it's the truth about how some of these things, it's just a fucking shit, shit show. And He talks about a few canceled games too, right? He does as well. And he asked one developer, he was like, it, it sounds... Um, it sounds really like extraordinary for a game to be made. And then the developer's response, it's extraordinary that any of these games get made at all. <sighs> and some of the situations, because like every situation behind making a game is so unique and unto itself because there's no real standard procedure. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're designing something. 
the way that it's described is that it's a lot like trying to build a railroad railroad and there's somebody throwing down tracks as the train is moving on the tracks Mm -hmm. at the same time that's exactly what game development is well people don't maybe don't realize this on a just a basic level but like there's so many moving parts to game design and putting out a game. You have publishers pushing hands or developers. You have people mm-hmm. from all different walks of life coming together to make a game in terms of narrative, uh, art direction, gameplay, all this stuff. And like you might all have like this kind of cornerstone idea of like what you want the game to be, but it, it doesn't always get there cleanly. You want to talk about some fucked up shit? You want to talk about burn rates? Burn rates is basically the cost estimation of how much it, it is to keep the lights on on a fucking studio mm-hmm. in a project. So you have your headcount. You have your headcount of your studio, right? You go, I got 50 people in my employee, and the average cost to keep them per month is $10,000. That's not even what they get paid. That's just like health benefits and other kind of like mm-hmm. these ancillary overhead costs that you have to estimate with each worker. So when you break out a game like that and you say to yourself, well, we have two years to make a game and our budget's only like $4 million, your burn rate mm-hmm. determines everything. And you can't even adequately assess what a daily cost will be because that is with the uh, the kind of concept that every day everyone's going to feel super creative mm-hmm. and hit these milestones exactly in the same way. Yeah, You never think about factors like, oh shit, we've been working on this one component to a game and then we play tested it and everyone fucking hates it. So now we're removing it mm-hmm. and now we're spending extra cost and labor to remove this feature that we fucking revolve the entire design document mm-hmm. around. And all that doubling back and having <laughs> to restructure thing, that costs more money and then you go yes, over budget and it takes longer and yes, then you need extensions. And so in some cases it leads to a game being put out before it's even ready to be put out. You find out it's actually a very rare exception for a game not to get delayed during mm-hmm. its development process. If it doesn't get delayed, they're not making it honestly. That's true. <laughs> That's you know They're mutching it up. Or they're not making a fucking great, you know, they're not it's not going to be a quality product, mm-hmm. you know? It's, I, I don't mean to say a generaliza- yeah. generalization sort of way, but that's it's amazing hearing these stories behind the scenes mm-hmm. that there's so much that goes into it. And I always knew that there's so much that goes into it, but just to hear the kind of like day-to-day stories and anxieties from a very human perspective makes this one of the most essential gaming reads. I must tell you, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, I got it for like $9 on Amazon. Yeah, it's it's a must-read. It came out, what, last year? I believe end of last year or beginning of this year, because mm-hmm. it does reference a lot of things in 2017. I'm like, god damn, this is actually a very good very book. Current. Yeah, I, I think he said he's going to do a follow-up to it, which I would absolutely a love i would like that too but i gotta read this first one so please do it, yeah. it seems like a quick read too. have you picked it up at all yet or is it you just got it yesterday i read through the first story about obsidian's pillar of eternity okay yeah so there's like a good um like 14 games that he covers okay. i believe throughout like some are shorter stories some are longer stories depending on who he interviewed and who he talked to yeah good shit very cool good shit okay daniel it's topic time. Now uh, Now that everyone's kind of walked away, because I'm really certain none of our listeners stay past the news. Yeah. <laughs> I think we hit the 40-minute mark, and people are like, huh, these guys are cool. Fuck off. I would love to see <laughs> the data on that. I want that data. SoundCloud doesn't give me those metrics. So far, it's going to only be people from the ne- Netherlands that stick through the entire episode. What? So what's that? Are you guys like just out getting stoned, and we just you relate to us? What's happening? Please leave a comment. Please. It's from Amsterdam. Are we just like a big hit in those pot shops? Because yeah. that makes sense, and I'm totally about we're just on your level of just off-brand humor and being dumb world tour world world fucking tour is what we're gonna do but lead me into this topic i'm stoked how did this come to be let me tell you about how this came to be (laughs) i'm calling this topic the hot take takedown okay now 
I've noticed on Twitter and a lot of other, like, you have big publications like IGN and shit. I forget how this started. People are just asking questions going like, hey, what's game that, like, you know, uh, everyone seems to be into that you just can't get into? Mm -hmm. And, you know, things like that where it's like, what's one franchise that you just don't like and everyone loves? And stuff like that's been happening. I'm like, that's really interesting. So I actually engaged with one of those. And I was like, okay, well, one game that I can't get into that everyone else is like dragon age inquisition where oh God, i think yeah. it has i think it has a wonderful story great world building and this boring ass fucking combat that makes all of that content feel like a chore to get through mm-hmm. or it makes the combat feel like a chore to get through and people agreed i was so surprised we got so much engagement on that people were like absolutely this is me i download it every year thinking i'm gonna this is the year i'm gonna get into mm-hmm. it and don't and i'm like thank god people feel this i way. did that a lot with dragon age one and two to be honest i right. bought those games so many times and then played them for like an hour and i'm like this isn't for me for one reason or another so i thought about this and i was like why don't we do our own hot take thing but i was just like i don't know it'd be boring to just say like hey i'm gonna read hot takes for the next 30 minutes that's Mm -hmm. that's dumb so as a program manager Mm -hmm. which is my title and as children what oh and as a game and as grown children i decided to turn this into kind of a game for two reasons one that's more fun (gasps) i love video games that's what this fucking podcast is about two I wanted to test us, Daniel. Okay. So here's the structure of the game. What's going to happen is there's going to be 10 hot takes each. I have 10. Daniel has 10. Okay. We, we rotate. I say one. He says one. Now, the listener of said hot take issues one of the following after digesting the other party's hot take. They either issue a Mario mm-hmm. to agree or a Wario to disagree. So it's like a good or bad grading system. Correct. Cool. And so we're going to mark these down with each of these. And obviously, the more Marios means that me and Daniel are drift compatible and should marry. Mm-hmm. The more we should be Mario brothers. The more Warios, on the other hand. There's a schism. <sighs> there's a schism. I want to find out where we're at. Okay. Now, there's a lightning round, too. <laughs> now, the lightning round is going to have five spicy takes. Okay? Muy caliente. And here's the extra little caveat here. The listener can only listen. You cannot respond. You can't fight my my spicy take. You can't mm-hmm. say anything. You just silently agree or disagree. You silently Mario or Wario. Okay? <laughs> okay? All right? That's okay. that's the nature of the game, kids. And you okay. can play it at home along if you want. You can mark down your own Marios and Warios. So for, I'm going to hold the paper here. Yeah. We have one through ten, round one. I'll let you have number the first go in round one. Um, I will be taking care of the marks there. I will... I'll be honest, chat, keep me honest, make sure I'm not cheating here. Chat, keep us honest. I, I love winning, but I'm not going to cheat here, because I want this to be an honest game and bond here. Um, but for the lightning round, since it is going to be me reading off five and then you, I will pass it to you when it is my turn to read, and then you should pass it back to me. And then you can silently mark. For the lightning round? Yeah. Oh, I see, I see, Yeah, I because see. You're not, we're not going to announce those like off our dome, it's going to... Are well, you are you sure you should go that way? I feel like in the lightning round, you should do your five, mm-hmm. and I mark down my marks, and then I give you the paper, and then I do my five, mm-hmm. and you mark down your marks. Okay. So that's only for the lightning round, though. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, you're the scorekeeper. Cool. Because you know, yeah. I like having a job. I like feeling responsible for stuff. You're you're a big responsible boy. I try. I like it. So kick us off, dude. What's Ooh, your hot take? My hot take number one. So I told Kevin before that they sort of follow a theme because I started an idea for one and then it would blossom into another and then so far. So in my reading order. This is so good. This is the dumbest thing we've done for this. There's going to be And I once did a Luigi obituary. <laughs> that was actually one of the best things we've ever done. There really was. Go ahead. Hot take number one. Yeah. Uh, JRPGs are too fucking long. Ooh. Yeah. 
JRPG. Wow. So Persona <laughs> Five is like two hundred hours of like, tutorials. <laughs> like I so, get hang on. that uh, in in Japan and and those sort of cultures that. You put out a product, they they want longevity with it. They want it to be something that people put time into and revisit and really get the most bang for their buck. And that's fine and dandy. But, like, I'm an adult. I got a lot of games I want to play. There are shorter RPGs. JRPGs are just too long. Especially with the fucking tutorials and everything like that. Slim the fat. Listen, I hear you. Yeah. I do hear you. Sure. I absolutely hear you. And I got to tell you, I'm, 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 I'm chewing on this hot take. Sure. The first of many to come. Is it a hot talkie or is it... Hot garbage. Is it a Mario or a Wario? Yeah. It's a Mario. It's a Mario. You got, got a, a Mario got for me. Mario. Okay, You're right. Cool. JRPGs are too long. <laughs> You're right. You got me. Cool. Okay. My number one on here, Daniel, is Silent Hill is scarier than Resident Evil, but Resident Evil plays better than any Silent Hill game that's ever come out. And has more meaningful puzzles. <laughs> it doesn't have dumbass puzzles. Stick a fucking fish line into a toilet and there's a pocket watch and hopefully you know the code on the back of the pocket watch. <laughs> Stupid shit like that. I will give you that. Uh, there are some truly unsettling Silent Hill moments that I've encountered sure. uh, between 2, 3, and what I've seen in Silent Hills that Resident Evil hasn't matched, but Resident Evil plays way better. It's a Mario. It's a Mario. Oh, it's a Mario we got a Mario. Me, We're doing so, yeah. so good together yeah. here. Gotcha. That's cool. Mario. Um... Number two here, I think it's in the same vein. Yep. Um, random encounters should never be in games again. <laughs> They're dated and bogus. And Final Fantasy IX, the remake here, did a service by letting us disable them. The remake? Oh, you mean the port? The port. It's a port. Yeah. It's a nice port, but it's a port. Yeah. That was an important Because it would go in the port. The port. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I think random encounters are bogus. Okay. There are better fight systems at play these days. I've been hearing this argument a lot yeah. lately, and I, you know, I think I do enjoy it when the enemies are just out in the open, mm-hmm. kind of like Final Fantasy fifteen. But it's a Wario for me, dog. Why? I like random encounters. I like those stupid moments in Pokemon where it's like, and then you're like, what am I going to fight? And you go, me, 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 me. But it's a Ratata. And then it's a Ratata. Thirty times in a row. Ah, it's a Ratata. You get pissed off and you go, I gotta run. I'm sorry, I love it. It's so intrinsic to my childhood. It reminds me of my days playing on my fucking, uh, my teal Game Boy Color. Okay. And playing Pokemon Yellow, which was my first Pokemon. So, the argument isn't that yeah. they should have never existed. It's that they're dated. I feel like they have a home in those older I, style games. I, I agree, but yeah. I feel like somebody out there can still do some shit with random encounters and still make it fun. Okay. I'm sorry. It's a Wario for me. I'm sorry. All right. Fair enough. Sorry. That's I, all it is. That's all damn, it is. Damn, I got a W. We're not all going to fucking Mario Wario on everything, dog. Okay? I'm just going to say... <laughs> Go ahead. That I like the way Final Fantasy 12, 15, and even South Park does it, where you see the encounters <laughs> in-game, in-world, and then they happen naturally. I agree. I, don't know. I do agree. Fair and that, that, that it doesn't hurt the flow as much as a random encounter, but there's something about the surprise That's in a random encounter no, that I still that. enjoy. Somebody can improve that experience without destroying it completely. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Give me your number two. Number two. Companies should not be allowed to advertise their game with a CG trailer. Oh. Ever. Okay. Never, ever. You never get to pitch the concept of a game and then the gameplay is a fucking over at RTS where I can't even see, like, the fucking characters on the the screen. You can't make your game look way more exciting Mm -hmm. with a goddamn CG trailer made by Blur Studio. Yeah. No more. You have to show me gameplay to sell your game. I think I had this problem 
with Beyond Good and Evil 2, when they showed it um, at E3, where a lot of it was cinematic, and I was like, I don't see any gameplay here. Cool, it doesn't tell me shit about the game. No, and maybe... I don't know anything about it. Maybe when I was younger, like, I'd buy into that, because I just didn't know the difference. I'm like, yeah, this game looks amazing, when in reality, no, it's a CGI trailer, or it might be a bull, bull shot, or something else. And it's like, no, it's not representative of the product, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That gets a Mario? That gets a Mario. That gets a Mario. Fuck yeah. Good shit, sir. All right. What's your next, E? Kevin's leading here. Or unless you're a Wario fan, maybe I'm winning. Well, if I lose, Mm -hmm. then I lose you as a friend. (laughs) You lose nothing here. I lose the save roommates. Um, Number three. I'm going to have to go out of order, actually, just to spice it up a little bit. Go ahead. Uh, Diddy Kong Racing is better than Mario Kart 64. That's all I got. It's got a way better story. I wish we filmed this because <laughs> our reactions to this are good. Um, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You say those words to me and you think you're going to say anything else after that? That's all I need to say. Because you got a big old M for me, dog. Big M. <laughs> That's a big M right there. <laughs> great game. Fuck you, Mario Kart. Diddy Kong's always been better. <laughs> okay. All right. Give There's me dinosaurs. <laughs> And they do reverse levels in the story mode. They do reverse. Anyway, that's great. Anyway, it's, it just seems simple. Simple math, right. right there. You know, two plus two. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, my number three on so here. So stupid. I should probably go out of order to something because yeah. this one, this one is almost be constituted as a spicy. So I'm going to skip to another one. Okay. Oh, this one's kind of spicy too, but it's it's still hot. Nether Realm makes better fighting games than Capcom. Now, when it comes to mechanics, I do agree. I love the freeform style of every Capcom game. In fact, that's the entire draw of, fact, of, of Capcom fighting games. Okay. However, when it comes to their feature set, their extra content, or giving me dynamic reasons to continue playing your goddamn game beyond just jumping online and queuing, mm-hmm. NetherRealm's got you beat. Are we talking just Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter? or Even like- Injustice. Okay. Even Injustice as well. You can pull that one together. And even against Marvel versus Capcom? Even against Marvel versus Capcom, as far as sheer enjoyment and content and engagement goes, NetherRealm does exceptionally a better job about, even with the daily challenges and the towers and, and little, like, um, uh, what do you call it, specific, like, perk challenges, where it's uh-huh. like, hey, man, they're not going to stumble from your attacks, but you still got to kill them. Like, you know those little challenge yeah. mode shits? All of it makes their games much more replayable than any single Capcom fighting game. He's not wrong. Fuck, give the boy a fire flower. It's a Mario. It's a Mario! Hell yeah, it's getting hot in here. God damn. Dang. Can you code in like a little sound effect of like the one-up like, (laughs) (laughs) Or like a wah every time there's a Mario. (laughs) Fire flower. We could actually do it ourselves from now on. We could. (laughs) Woohoo! Will be my response. Okay, hold on here. So that was my number three. Mm Mm-hmm. I skipped my actual number three on here, but I think I'm, I should save that one because it's mean. <laughs> Go ahead. Number four. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I thought about this one when I was in the bath today. I was just taking a bath thinking about it. Oh, this one's about special then. <laughs> VR isn't the space race of this generation, and companies need to stop rushing to make it a now thing when it still see- needs so much work, and it isn't what people want. I hate you because I have one very similar. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, just to get it out of the way, Yahoo! That's Mario. <laughs> but I do want to say, 
people are like, oh, this is the next stage, the evolution. No, 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 no. It's ancillary. It's a compliment to the gaming as is because yeah. that's how gaming has grown. I believe Jerry Petty made that argument on the, on the Kind of Funny Games Daily where he's just like, people are learning that VR is not going to be the takeover. It's going to be that extra thing, that extra experience because you can start to kind of uh, batch these experiences into their own thing, like the Switch, the handheld, mm-hmm. how it's the king of handheld right now and all that. PlayStation's not going to give that experience to yeah. me, but that doesn't mean that PlayStation is not the future because Switch is doing something else. VR is the same way. It's true. I don't know the hard numbers on VR since it launched in it's doing well, actually, October enough. 2016, I think that's when it came out. Cool. Yeah. I'd, uh, if there was a year-wrong segment, I'd be very wrong. PSVR shipped 3 million units, which is actually a surprising number. Yeah. Really. Um, but I just, I don't think it's like where I need it to be. It's not where you need it to be. And they nope. need to do a lot with the peripherals. I hear it's just a, wes- a mess of wires and just, it's just fuckery. <laughs> so. It is a mess of wires and fuckery. And yeah. even Nintendo kind of called them out and was like, we'll do it when we figure out how to make it like not obtrusive. I think it's just like we're looking for the next leap in gaming that isn't just straight graphical output and people are just eager to make this happen. It's like, maybe it's not happening. <laughs> okay, on this point, I got my next one. Was it my number four at this point? This is number four. I will never play the entirety of a game in VR. Like Resident Evil 7, for instance. Like, oh yeah, the whole game's VR. I'm not going to do that entirely in VR. I think it's a neat little gimmick, and I'll okay. check it out. I will not sit down and dedicate my entire video game experience to a game fully in VR. Sorry, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. What about Abzu? I don't give a shit. Oh, Abzu? Yeah. What about Job Simulator? Wait, Abzu's in VR? Yeah. I didn't even fucking know that. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool, but still, I'm not going to do the whole fucking game in VR. <laughs> So I'll do like, I'll go to a PAX demo and do the VR. I'm not going to sit down and fucking dedicate myself unless it's like, unless there's no headset involved, mm-hmm. like where it's just glasses or something like that. I'm not going to do a VR game. I can't do that. I can't sit down for hours at a time with that motherfucker strapped to my head as if mm-hmm. I'm uh, stuck in some sort of weird Matrix sequel. I'm not going to. No, no, no. That's not the Kevmeister. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair. It's a Wario, though. It's a Wario, yeah. though. You would play a full VR game. Um, yeah, because full VR games, as they stand, are like hour experiences, like hour to two hours. They're very mm, short, very that's true, digestible. That's true, that's true. If you're looking at like... An well, that's ex- not what I mean. I mean a full-fledged game like Resident Evil 7, though. I mean, that is the first instance of would us Would you play getting... all of Shadow of the Colossus in VR? They could never do it. Would <laughs> you if they figured it out? Um, No. But that's not to say I wouldn't play a VR game just because I won't play that one. I don't want to play The Last Guardian in VR. Okay. Um, But I think like something like Resident Evil that could be played at that pace and would be really thrilling with that sort of peripheral and visceral feel. Yeah, it would work out great. But like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I hear it is only able to be done in digestible like sitting. So like three to 30 minutes, like an hour. And then I probably have to take it off and come back to it. But yeah, no, I play a full game of VR. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. So what is it? So So we have, I have three Mario's, you've got three Mario's and we both have a Wario a piece. Okay. That's fair. All right. I knew it would be neck and neck, honestly, with a lot of this. Yeah. What's your next one? My next one. My next one. Uh, Simple. Dead Space 3 is a great game. That's, <laughs> That's all you got. Yeah. No, 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 no. This, this isn't like Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong is a given. Can you help me out? Why do you believe it's a great game? I think it did everything that the second game did in a bigger scope in a very cool way, and it introduced a lot of very 
neat sci-fi elements that I didn't expect to find in it. Like, because the necromorph, necromorph art got very tired. They put fucking, like, old-school aliens in it, like, ancient aliens. They had different, like, weapon mechanics and just cool stuff about it. Granted, there weren't nearly as mem- like as many memorable boss fights as two, but I appreciated what it did. It felt good to have my hands on. And, yeah, I can make a strong case for it. Like, a Dead Space game has never looked better. Okay. So this is definitely an against-the-grain kind of take. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Because I am of of the consideration that Dead Space 3 is still a good fucking game. It's I'm a, sorry. It's a great game. It, 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 okay, it has a stupid microtransaction bullshit with the fucking tool tool yeah. making and all that. That was dumb. That was a mistake. That was probably EA. But, it was. But fundamentally, the the callbacks to John Carpenter's The Thing yeah. on the snow planet, it still scared me. It was still creepy, and it advanced everything that Part 2 tried to do. It just didn't land it. Yeah. But it didn't get far from that landing, to be honest with you. And it extended the universe in such ways where it was like, wow, that's actually kind of an interesting plot yeah. thread that I wasn't aware of or didn't know because the stories of 1 and 2 were a little more contained. Yeah. This one tried to open it up. Well, because... I think two really um, was bent on walking a lot of one's footsteps again. You go back to the Ishimura. There's that whole like Nicole arc. This game took a risk by walking away from it. Introduced some new ideas. That cool cold opening where you don't even play as Isaac. Yeah. The co-op component. Like, granted, there's some things in there that you could give or take. But I thought I don't like fighting humans in that game. Yeah, I don't care either. Yeah, they were really fast. Didn't feel good. And it introduced like side quests and like weird like right that, offshoot things. that it did which i always thought was the next uh, step for dead space okay 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 so let me just put it this way sure. if ea uh somehow pulled their head out of their asses and said we are going to do a remastered collection if they told me that oh we're only doing one and two i would be pissed i would still want three yeah absolutely so what if you fight the moon in a comical display in the last act of the game let's not talk about that <laughs> it's a complete package you need all three Daniel, let's not talk about okay. that okay let's not talk about Plus the music of Pelican. It had Pelican. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so did two. Woohoo! That's a Mario That's right a Mario. there, buddy. That's Boom. a Mario. Woo-hoo! If I ever heard one, man. Damn. All right. Mario one, heard around the world. This one, I want to I wanna gauge where you're at with this one, but this is sure. something that hits me near and dear. Mm-hmm. Zombie games are not overplayed, and they should make more. What? Yeah, dog. I do not think they're overplayed whatsoever. I don't even... Like, when people complain, like, oh, there's so many zombie games, I'm just like, you're just talking about the glut that happened in 2007 to 2009. They're actually few and far between these days. In fact, a lot of the zombie games that you think are fucking congesting your timeline are actually remasters of established games from that stupid goddamn period of, like, 2007 to 2009. Okay. You know, where Left 4 Dead and Dead Rising and all those shits got together. But these days, it's, like, few and far between in my mind. We got um, that uh, Days Gone around the corner, but it seems like they're going to push that into forever. Yeah. Last of Us is not necessarily a zombie game in my mind. It deals with infection, but it's more about the threat of people and mm-hmm. it's a personal story. It's a different. It's an apocalypse game. Yeah, I think that's a little lumped elsewhere. Now you got uh, Dead Island Two. Where the fuck has that been? We got 
one and a half dead islands and dead island 2 has been on the back burner for goddamn ever dying light in fact is the champion of open world zombie games right now and we've gotten exactly one in 2015 and part two is coming out in 2019 Mm -hmm. in the meanwhile i got a piece of shit fucking uh state of decay which i know it's got its fans but i don't like survival games like that that's all that's why i'm saying Mm -hmm. it sorry to give you a mini hot take in there but (laughs) zombies are an interesting enemy because you don't have that weird emotional hang-up of shooting a human in the face like you mm-hmm. get in Call of Duty games, which let's not get into the undertones of, like, they always make it a foreigner that you're shooting mm-hmm. to make you feel better. That's a little fucked up, mm-hmm. but we won't get into the psychology of that. Nope. But zombies are a reflection of ourselves, but they're dead. They remind us of our own mortality. That is, at its basic, why they scare us. Because they are us. We recognize them as us, but they're just far enough from us to fucking weird us out and creep us out, to affect us. We don't know why zombies are popular in that nature, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's a huge degree because they are us. We see us in them, despite the fact that there's no life, no creativity, no nothing that we feel that we hold on to that's important. We are stripped down to our basic component, which is to feast and consume. And that scares us. This dude just went full Robert Kirkman on me in his analysis of the zombie genre. It's why zombies are one of the best villains in any piece of media. Okay. So in that argument, you listed probably eight to ten different zombie franchises. (laughs) Notwithstanding the Walking Dead Telltale games, zombie modes in other games, Call of Duty, it'll never end at that point, or Tomb Raider, or... And Far Cry 5 is getting a zombie mode. (laughs) Um, No, I think it's very, very overdone. I think it's just because, like, we're getting it, for me specifically, too, it's across every medium, too. It's not just in video Mm -hmm. games, it's in TV. Fucking Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, Like, I agree with your sentiment that, yeah, it is an examination of of the worst parts of us at a base bone level. But I want something new. I think we need something new. I think we deserve better. What is new in your mind, though? Zombies are such a classic and intrinsic part of Mm -hmm. horror. Sure. You know, like, what what would be the new in your, like, sludge monsters? I don't know. I feel like even Resident Evil had, like, answers, tries to answer that question with part seven. It's like, it could have been zombies in the fucking mansion. But instead, they gave us these weird mold creatures. And, like, they're good. But at the same time, I'm still just like... They're zombies with claws. How about we be honest with each other? That's true. We want zombies. Even even necromorphs, like, I love their design and what they are, but they're still out of base level zombies, just, you know, infected by a magic marker in space. But it's okay. If you think it's you if you think the genre is well covered, fine, fine, fine. I think it is. I I have no interest in, in right, Days look. Gone and State of Decay, and I think uh I have a little bit of interest in Days Gone. That's fair. Especially since Michael... No, wait, no, that one's not Michael Rosenbaum. That's mm. the guy who played Starkiller. Ah, I'm not interested anymore. So anyway. <laughs> so this one... Yeah, I know. Ooh. I feel it. I know it. It's not a Mario. I it's know. not quite a Wario. Wait, what? It's a Dry Bones. A Dry Bones? <laughs> You're getting a Dry Bones, dude. Because I just, like, it was, it was a hot take. I'm it... sorry, I created the rule set for this hot yeah. take takedown. And you decided to introduce a wild card? That's the kind of fucking moxie that gets noticed in the save room. <laughs> so I'm going to do Wario slash Dry Bones, because it walks a similar I like line. it. I yeah. like it. I like and it's, it. And it walks a zombie line. That's perfect. That's sure. perfect, dude. All right. Give me your next one. Number give me your next one. Because I went on this soliloquy about zombies for It a was while. great. Yeah. Nah, no um, problem. No problem. We're going to have to cut out the rest of this episode <laughs> to make room for this. Number six. If you don't agree with someone's words or actions, 
dogpiling and being a dick is the least productive thing you could ever do. Mario. That's Mario. Yeah. That's it. Mario. I've seen a lot of discourse on the internet about that lately, and I just wanted to say that. Yeah, fuck all y'all. The acts of an individual do not uh, condemn an entire organization or company of people that love what they're doing. Yep, we see it in IGN, we see it with ArenaNet, we see all that shit. Just, like, stop it. Yeah. Stop attacking individuals. Or just have a better discourse about it. Like, I just yep. the guys at the internet longing you to do that, it sucks. So. Oh, I'm sorry, audience. You thought these hot takes would be fun? You think we're playing Mario Party up in this bitch? Give me your number six. Was I gave you my zombie take. Oh, no, no, you already gave me the other thing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Okay. Because we're doing it out of order now. It's all fucked up. Ooh, yeah, we are doing out of order. It's fucked <laughs> up. But I know there's ones that I have not read. Sure. I'm going to get this one out of the way because it's a strong one. It's not a spicy take, but some may consider it spicy. But here we go. Mm-hmm. Borderlands was a fluke, and Gearbox Software would not be in business without it. That's a Mario. That's a Mario. Now, we, we take a look at, uh, and I'm sorry... If you if you heard this one from the save room boys before, but alien colonial marines, not just the end product, but how they prioritize their production, their workflow between the two, how there's allegations, and fuck, Sega sued their asses because they felt that the money that they were putting forth for colonial marines was being used in Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being a super quality game from a studio that seems to be incapable of super quality games otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say Borderlands is a fluke because they actually gave it the time and resources because they knew we kind of have something. Part one was a proof of test for that. Mm-hmm. And then part two, they were like, we need to go all out. And they did stop. it better. They did it better, but they they made some real hard sacrifices behind the scenes. Sure. And they hurt Aliens fans for it. And then they do stupid things, stupid vanity projects like Duke Nukem, mm-hmm. reviving that for no reason. Ended up with a shoddy goddamn product. They shouldn't have used any of the assets that were like utilized before. Worked that game from the ground up if they really felt the need to put more Duke Nukem into the world, which, by the way, not a single fucking person was asking for. Nope. A vanity project. <laughs> And then take a look at their publishing works. Now, Homeworld, I'll give them credit for that one. Mm-hmm. You did all right with that one. But you really kind of left it untouched. We Happy Few. For some reason, one of the most exciting, interesting kind of Bioshock homages that we were getting turned into this haphazard, really buggy, really half-baked product at twice the price of what was pitched. Gearbox gets involved and it's a $60 fucking game suddenly. This is not a great organization. I've heard nothing but nightmare stories behind the scenes, and they make some shitty, shitty decisions, and they use the shield of Borderlands to protect their image. To say, no, we're a great dynamic developer. Stop battle-borning the industry and fucking admit what you are. I agree. Mario on that one. Huh? That, no, that, that was a hard Mario. Yeah, because one in, Borderlands 1 and 2 are stellar. I feel like three mm-hmm. is going to take some time to do something different because it could honestly be the same carbon clone of the first two games. Listen, I hope for the best with part three. Yeah. I do hope for the best. I want that to be good because I'm invested in Borderlands. I love Borderlands. And I, the I'm lore not, and those characters. And I'm not trying to come at any individuals within that company. I just feel like the leadership is suspect. Their mm-hmm. decisions are poor. And I feel like there is uh, some great commitment and great effort from the people on that team. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck on this this fucking runaway train of bullshit, mm-hmm. <laughs> propelled only by Borderlands. Yeah, it's I, just not a good, it's not a great way to operate a business. That's I can, all. I can That's agree all. With. Sorry, 
I know that's a bit of a spicier take, but I'm going to consider it hot for the time being. Uh, okay. Here's a hot take. Square Enix should just stick to publishing games. <laughs> oh, shit! Oh, oh, I don't know what to do with this one, Daniel. I don't know what to do. Oh. I've said it time and time again in the past several years. They have published more standout games than they've actually developed and put out. I think Project Octopath Traveler is probably the most recent iteration that I could say actually stands out. Oh, my out. God. It is stellar. Oh, um, might be on to something on this one. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's true. They're a way better publisher than they are a developer. Now they at are. This point. I don't know what's going on with them as a company. I don't know what's going on with the infrastructure in their east uh, hem- hemisphere, west hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Am I doing that right? The Japanese market versus the American and European markets, I should say. I don't know what's happening there, but like, there's this disconnect where... They're putting time and assets into things, and they're just not coming out. And I don't know. I don't know who's what the problem is there. You know, I do agree. <laughs> We've seen a lot of this kind of left brain, right brain uh, mythology between uh, an originally a Japanese publisher slash developer versus their um, like Western footprint. Yeah. And I've noticed, especially in Square Enix, like a lot of people on the Western front complain about like, yeah, some things don't go through or some things can't happen. Mm-hmm. My my previous experiences in the merchandising industry where we would try to make cool shit for like Final Fantasy and stuff like that. And they're like, you'll never get that. Yeah. They're like, we'll give you Hitman, we'll give you Tomb Raider, we'll give you anything on the West, but mm-hmm. it's so difficult and so unmanageable to try to get like work with the Japanese front on that mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff that it's not worth it. And I feel like development takes that hit as well because they they're, it's a very old school kind of mindset. And it's a very different mindset than what other studios in different parts of the world may have. Not mm-hmm. not any disrespect there, but I do feel like there is a push that could be could be made that certain um individuals and designers like Hideo Kojima and Kaiji Inafune felt and that's why they felt they needed to leave their respective companies mm. uh, not to put words in their mouth or but I know Kaiji especially was just kind of like he always was working to bridge the gap between the west and the east because yeah. he felt like there was so much to be learned and so much commingling that could happen mm-hmm. you know I think they're doing a great job at that with their third party titles and mm-hmm. like the stuff they publish, but their first party stuff is just suffering for one reason or another. And I think it's just like there was this, uh, I think PS2 to PS3 to PS4 transition where th- maybe they had trouble catching up with the times or the business of the market or how American video games operate because a lot of it is um, games as a service or microtransactions or DSL. D- DLC base, and I feel like they're just like <laughs> dick sucking lips. Base dick sucking lips. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Sorry, Namura. You ready? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel like they're just catching up to the current times, and it's just their products are suffering because of it. I feel you, so. but for me, I think this is a dry bone situation because I, I, I think there's value in them having internal studios that they have much more agency over. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, the products haven't shown themselves, and I especially think Final Fantasy Seven uh, Remake is a perfect example of them just not getting it and mismanaging something yeah. that they should probably just give to somebody else. In fact, that was their inclination originally. Like, hey, CyberConnect 2, you should make this game for mm-hmm. us because we don't know what the fuck to do with it. And then it turned into like, ah, uh, shit, that's a lot of pressure to put on an outside studio. Well, and now the fact that they've been developing it for so many years alongside uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, like there's just so much time, not enough assets. They're probably going broke trying to make this game in their thought <laughs> process as well. Let's make it episodic so we can make more money across, you know, more time. And it's just like, it's not the way to do it. It's not what fans want. 
Right, right, right. So, whatever it's drama. I, no, I feel you. I respect your position on yeah. that. I do believe they they still need to have internal studios because there's people that have that kind of legacy knowledge of these franchises that should always be there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to lose that the moment that they become a publisher only. That's it. That's okay. it. Give me a number seven. All right. This one's a simple one. MMOs are more work than they are fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upkeep. Yeah. Daily quest, uh, you have to keep grinding and coming back. You've, you've got to get jobs in these games. And you have to have subscriptions to them. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's all work. Like, I, I used to play Overwatch with um, these friends from back home, uh, and they would simultaneously play WoW against it. And they just talk about the level of upkeep and time they have to put into it. I'm like, it sounds lame. WoW, in particular, where you have yeah. to get a job in the game, and you got to do, like, this gold flipping and all this shit. I'm just like... Wait a second. What? Why? Who thought this is a great idea? Like this is fun. Like it's such an obvious trapping for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like that's not even a fun mechanic. I, I get to some people. <clears throat> there is a call to it. People love WoW and Final Fantasy fourteen and League of Legends, even though that's a little different. But like games like that, for a reason. Like they probably mechanically feel good, and there's a a gameplay loop or cycle there that they're attracted to. And that's fine. It's just not for me. It's not for me either. Yeah. I just, I, I think it's too much upkeep to be really enjoyed. So where are you, uh, at? Where are you at with that one? Yeah, it's a Mario. It's Mario. Wahoo! What's your next one? What are we at, by the way? Uh, we have three left in this round one. Sick. Go, going a little long here. Um, in the vein of Square Enix, um, I don't care if the Final Fantasy VII remake comes out. Make a new IP that you can reasonably finish in less than 10 years. That's it. I don't care. I don't need it anymore. Woohoo! That's a Mario. I agree. Fair. And that's I, a- I don't have that same connection to Part 7 either. I don't. In fact, one of my uh, deleted hot takes was that Part 8 is better than Part 7. But I didn't want to be that that reductive about it. Especially since I'd never beat Part 7. So mm. how am I going to say something like that? Part 7 is an amazing game. But I feel like it just... It had its place in history, and we don't need to touch it. We, I don't think we need to touch every classic. We just need to go forward, man. Yeah. I, I always pitch the idea where it's like, okay, so 15 should have been a learning lesson. We responded to the camaraderie, camaraderie of the main characters, and we did enjoy the open world, but we hated its really outdated limitations. So for me, it's like, go back to your more medieval Final Fantasy mm. games and kind of go, like, try to still do that open world feel, but make it whimsical, make yeah. it fun, make it feel like Final Fantasy. Because yeah. that was some of the criticisms, or, like, 15 doesn't feel like Final Fantasy. Don't get me wrong. I love the feel of Midgard and that ambiance <laughs> and setting that 7 put forward. Um, but I feel like I would love to see it realized just in other ways. I like the extension of characters like Lightning in Final Fantasy Thirteen, who's kind of like an ex-soldier type, like Cloud. She's a bit like one note at times, but like I thought that was a cool take. And cool I like character to see, in a bad series. I would like to That's see a hot take on the fly. That oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but no, I'd like to see more extensions of Seven. Not I, there's not a need to remake it. Yep. So. Hey, you get a Mario for me on that one, man. Sick. All right, let's see. We're running out of these, aren't we? Getting down to the bottom of the fucking mushroom list here. Well, here's a fun one for you, and I want to see where you're at with this. Mm -hmm. A lack of a trophy system makes me far less inclined to play games on the Switch. I haven't touched Hollow Knight because I don't have that encouragement. I got Dead Cells and do not regret it whatsoever that I got it on PS4 rather than having a portable version. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because that trophy list is insanely good. They have such a good... fucking trophy list 
sorry, dude. Mm-hmm. It encourages me. In fact, I get to a point where some games where I'm like, I don't really feel like beating this because there isn't that good reason to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always made that argument that trophies carry you forward through parts of a game that you never thought to touch or see. Sure. They encourage you to continue. They encourage you to challenge yourself. Hey, i got to beat the game on hard. Mm-hmm. Let me get good at this game. I'm really getting the most value out of my game because these trophies are my steward. When okay. they're gone, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I agree to an extent here. Um, just because I feel like gaming in, in the modern era or the last like generation or so, having that sort of in-game achievement system and trophies, it's shaped us to be different gamers. Like mm-hmm. back in the day, we could just play games for the fuck of it. Uh, we would play games on new game plus new game plus plus because it's like, Oh, I hear I get a better gun at the end or I get better equipment or better this. And like there was replay value and all that stuff. I have since played a handful of games without trophies still enjoyed it. But, like, I, there's still that, like, pinging at the back of my skull. I'm like, but I'm not getting a trophy. But I'm not getting a trophy. <laughs> I I don't necessarily, like, I love trophy hunting. It's it's a bit pointless at times, mind you. Um, it is a pissing contest at others. But if you're enjoying yourself, it's yeah. not pointless. I'm tired of hearing that argument. But sometimes I don't enjoy myself. I'm doing it just to do it for a sake of completion that at the end of the day is kind of pointless. It's just public merit. But I think there are some reasons to forego that for the switch there are a lot of great games there there uh, are i had that struggle when i was playing breath of the wild and i'm like man this would be cool if i could hear that ding or i could get a platinum that's what i'm saying daniel search but- your fucking soul search your soul mm-hmm. do you feel like you'd be more that you'd be grinding out mario kart 8 deluxe right now mm-hmm. if you knew that getting through the tourneys got you a much more coveted trophy um I think it's different because Nintendo achievement, if you will. Nintendo does this thing where it's like it rewards you in-world, in-game for collecting stuff and going but out of your way. But this is not a consistent experience from game to game. Mm. Keep that in mind. Sure. That, for instance, Hollow Knight. Yeah. Nothing. I got nothing. There's no even in-game kind of like, oh, you've achieved this and done that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's just beating the game. That's fair. We're going back to SNES era. <laughs> I think it's okay. You think it's okay? I think it's okay. I think like I just need to break away from that sickness that I have, mm-hmm. that that trophy fever, mm-hmm. uh, and just enjoy it for what it is. But I will grant you this: yes, there are many times I've picked up a Switch game, put it down, and never come back to it. So Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Hollow Knight, like gotcha. I'm there with you. What but, are you at? Uh, it's a Mar. It's a Wario. I'm it's sorry. a Wario. Like I just uh, like I agree, but <laughs> I agree, but I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay, fair enough. So I I like the integration, and I will continue with it, and I will continue to champion it. I want it in every fucking game I play. Listen, sorry, kids. I'm I'm Love not. It. I'm not it. against you here. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Love Little it. trophy trophy Love slut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on number nine and ten here, respectively. Who so, are we respecting? Certainly not these subjects. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna end on the spiciest one. Number ten is gonna be a good one. Okay. Number nine. I think voice chat was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Giving people (laughs) with all sorts of opinions from all walks of life, all levels of delinquency and juvenileality. Too much freedom. They don't deserve it. And Uh, I think uh, Blizzard's uh, done a great uh, job at letting me mute them and block uh, them. And yeah, it was a fucking mistake. Holy shit. (laughs) I don't know, man. Um, uh, Okay. (laughs) So I got to play diplomat here. I understand this is one of the few things that actually wrangles us 
horrible, awful gamers together. Mm-hmm. Our our awkward personalities and all that yeah. doesn't do it, but you know what does it? Our common interest in video gaming. So to be able to jump online with somebody yeah. and share that experience, and it, th- this is the most positive and, and ideal scenario, which is you meet someone you've mm-hmm. never met before, you have a common interest, and you get to learn about each other. Voice chat is not the end-all apocalypse of gaming. It yeah. is just that... Any social media platform or any platform or tool that you can use to be social can be abused. It's true. So I, I mean, like that the option is there. I'm going to give you a Wario on that one. That's fair. That's a Wario on yeah, that okay. one. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Now, I agree. I'm not going to engage with voice chat just yeah. really fucking nilly. I think um, party chat is great. great. I think the yeah. ability to like meet somebody through one avenue or another or have a friend that I want to play a game with and then send them a party invite and have that sort of... like insular voice chat experience i think that's awesome i don't talk to friends, i don't love yeah. fucking jumping into a lobby or a game of overwatch and hearing people yell at fucking a thousand decibels about sausages or shit i don't care about no yeah you're right so. that sucks yeah but it's a warrior it's a warrior so it is what it is all right buddy these are hot takes for a reason they are i got another one for sure. you telltale titles should just be cutscenes and choices no more shoddy gameplay well, I hear they're updating the engine with mm-hmm. the Stranger Things game moving forward. Mm. I don't know how much that's going to help. Oh, okay. So they're still <laughs> going to keep the whole, like, uh, let me search uh, this table, mm-hmm. and then I'll get some weird, stupid insight from my character, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to walk over, and maybe I collect some tools, because somebody asked me to go find a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go find a paintbrush. Oh, hey, I got to talk to this character. Bada, da da bada, fucking <laughs> shit. They should be what they are just cut scenes with choices because they do very good storytelling mm-hmm. they they write gr- amazing stories and they give you such great choices in these stories that really do change the outcome of certain things sure but leave it at that man so you're proposing take the minute gameplay mechanics out and just have it be choices across cutscenes. let me give you an and, example and narrative elements. of what telltale fails at uh, some of the subject matter uh, is about people with guns and such. Look at Walking Dead. Ooh, sure. I got to fire a gun off at a zombie that's about <laughs> to bite me. And it ends up being this stupid, horrible implementation of... Uh, you can't I gotta even, like, use, ready the gun the right I way. I got to use my joystick <laughs> to get this fucking cursor in the right area. And the entire time my character's going... Uh, 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 and the zombie's well, coming up... Uh, like that. And it's the stupidest shit because it's not snappy. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. And it was a waste of my time in order to make me feel tense for no goddamn reason and make me think that this story is not on the rails you know what happens when you fail some of those instances uh i don't get a new story path a la david cage mm-hmm. games where it's like hey that character is gone yeah you just roguelike your way out of having fucking lee as the <laughs> protagonist no 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 no. you know what happens i get a fucking fail state yeah. so you know what that tells me those parts could have just controlled themselves and didn't need to be there at all i agree yeah, and uh, David Cage does that aspect of his games better. Not much else. Not much else. Which is that? Uh, wahoo! Mario, it Mario, is. Dude. All right, what? not gonna disparage you. Is this your last one? This is the for number the, ten before the lightning round for the hot yes. takes. Spicy. God, it's so spicy in here. Spicy takes. Uh, number ten. This is just an opinion, really. They're all opinions, by the way, audience. Fuck you. Number ten here. <laughs> okay. Yes, number ten. Jet Force Gemini is one of the greatest games of the 64-bit era. I never played it. Not many people did. 
I think it was just, it had a really cool open world feel. There was like mini quests and collectathons that you could do in it. You got to control three different characters and fight in these like sort of like sci-fi emulated worlds. It was very cool. Super underrated. It sounds cool. Yeah. You, you get a Mario from me. It's cool. Yeah. I got, I have no basis. <laughs> I could give you dry bones because I didn't play and technically yeah. that might be more fair. True. But. It's a great game. It sounds like a great game. <laughs> <laughs> they actually i think re-released it as part of like a rare collection on the oh Xbox right 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 one. Uh, yeah they did like 30 of their games or some shit yeah hmm, that's cool so. all right i got number 10 for you buddy this is my last one for the hot takes before we move on to spicy sure choice driven dialogue makes me feel like i'm playing the game wrong let me expound for you like fallout games or i always get a sense that i'm just making the wrong choice mm-hmm. and it I know the developers are like, oh no, it's about player agency. You get to you get to affect the narrative, and I'm just like, yeah, but your choices are so black and white that I it really feels obvious when I'm making the wrong choice. Or they'll give you, you know? these very like kind of vacuous like dialogue lines that you can use, and then the outcome isn't what you want it to be. Yeah, like I'm just like maybe I'm trying to affect the story in one way, and sometimes it feels like gambling, where yeah. it's like, oh, they got offended because I said this one preset line of dialogue that I did not intend to be as something that offends, mm-hmm. and it's just like I just feel like I'm playing wrong sometimes. You know, especially Mass Effect was the biggest contender yeah. with that, where I felt like if I got through a scenario, and like you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, you got to pump this, uh, pump this person for information, and I'm just like, okay, that sounds like this will keep the conversation going yeah say this and then he'll say something like i'm gonna hit you across the jaw and i'm like that was not the dialogue tree option and then it's like well i'm not gonna talk to you fuck you shepherd you're a fuck face and then they go away and i'm just like you're like oh i fucked up damn i fucked this one but i up. can't change it because the game just auto saved and i even got to this point where i was like dude i really wish i could fucking reload a save mm-hmm. and like not fuck that up and so for me to feel like man you have to do like the witcher is a great example of doing it right right I know the disposition of my character. Yeah. I know he's an asshole, and I know he's kind of objective about what's going on, but he still tries, because mm-hmm. he's not completely dead to the world. Okay. So you feel that awkwardness, and then it's still kind of clear-cut like what tone he's conveying or what feels appropriate to the character. Whereas something on like, you know, uh, Mass Effect or Fallout, where you define the character and you're not kind of sure what's the right answer here, mm-hmm. you feel like you get such wacky responses. Yeah. The Witcher handled it perfectly. I feel. But for the most part, I feel like I'm making the wrong choice in these games. Uh, I agree 100%. Yeah. It's a Mario. It's a Mario. Yeah, dude. Every game where there's a dialogue choice and I think this could be a cool response and then it's like a 180 from what I want it to be. I'm like, oh, well, I fucked that up. Yeah, just no. Yeah. And I, unless you make more meaningful dialogue trees, like I would be interested to see how the ones in Cyberpunk are going to play out because I feel like those are going to be valued choices and if you want to make the wrong choice you're gonna do it purposefully <laughs> yeah so. exactly exactly sure so i'm gonna tally up the points real quick yep uh, what are, what for are the we end of round one uh this is like a saving version of who's line the points really don't matter we're just having fun but they matter so they matter so much so on my side i have seven marios mm-hmm. okay two warios mm-hmm. and one dry bones mm-hmm. so I feel like you're going to be winning here. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Wow. You also have seven Mario's. <laughs> I knew we'd be uh, One, two, two Wario's, and <laughs> one Dry Bones. Oh, my God. So this, 
This lightning round really is. Look at that. That's legit. Like, yeah. Wow. We're neck and neck, neck right and now. Neck there. Okay. I don't so, know who this matters to, but us, but we're neck and neck. <laughs> we're drift compatible. Almost exact. We even agree on the things we disagree with. That's mm-hmm. insane. Okay. Now, now the lightning round is going to change everything. Okay. I'm going to let you go first. How the lightning round goes is you're going to give me your spiciest takes. These are all spicy takes, five in total. Mm-hmm. And I am going to keep track of them somehow. Here, I'll, get, I'll give you the board and the marker. Here, I'll turn it You're around. not going to write it on my TV. I'm not going to write it on your TV like I want to. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe uh, write it on the other piece of paper. I'm writing on the other piece of paper. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, which looks like an eight for some mm-hmm. reason. I'm sorry. Now. You're going to give me all five. I can't respond. I can't argue with you. I can't do anything. And you don't even have to explain yourself. Okay. You just say them. And then I write down, huh. <laughs> These are very, yeah. Uh, they're pretty much ill-conceived. Uh, if there was an idea that came to my head about it, I just wrote it. I have one take that's probably a hot take and the rest are spicy, but whatever. We're yeah. Gonna... These are, some of these can be considered ghost pepper bites. <laughs> okay. Just give them to me, man. Let's do this. Lightning round. Rapid fire. Um, number one, Breath of the Wild is overrated. Uh, number two. Wait, 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 wait. I have to have time to kind of think about it. <sighs> okay. Okay, go ahead. Uh, number two. Yep. Delays aren't a bad thing. Just chill the fuck out. Okay, go ahead. Uh, number three. Just because you're a fan of something doesn't mean you own it and everybody who worked on it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Forget what I said about JRPGs. Some games are just too fucking long. Yeah, okay, go ahead. And uh, number five. Yeah. Randy Pitchford shouldn't be a hype man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that, those are my that was an takes. amazing one. Yeah. Um, fuck, you're going to see the results. How about I keep my paper and then you write your results on a different, on the back of this paper, okay? Sure. That's, yeah, that was the thought. Oh, okay. Did, I did you write them on here? I wrote them on this other piece of paper that they, I stole. They didn't bleed through. Did they not bleed through? No, they're fine. Okay, cool. Then you don't know what's up. I don't know what's up. So we're, are we doing the same Mario Wario thing here? Oh, I hurt myself in your bed again. Oh, no. Uh, yes, Mario Wario. Okay. Don't, you have no time for dry bones. You have to decide okay. Mario or Wario. Sure. Okay. Or Yoshi, if you really like it. No. <laughs> no, Yoshi's great. <laughs> or like a Metal Mario. Like, that's a hard Metal thing. Mario. Oh, I would have MM'd all of those. <laughs> Metal Mario. Okay, let's see. Hang on, hang on. Sure. All right. No, uh, here we go. Number one. DMC is the best Devil May Cry. Okay. Number two. Ubisoft makes better open worlds than Bethesda. <laughs> Search your soul. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Alright, number three. Breath of the Wild is a largely unenjoyable experience and the least fun I've ever had with a mainline <laughs> Zelda game. <coughs> went hard on that one. i could agree with part of that <laughs> i know which part number four traditional turn-based combat is boring number five <laughs> the vita deserves to die <laughs> i know i lost a lot of kind of funny best friends with that one <laughs> we have the switch for a reason that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, okay. All right, well, that was a lightning round. Now, here's what's amazing. Sure. From all of your spiciest takes, mm. 
You got full M's from me. Full M's across the board. Full M's across the board. I agree with every statement that Holy you issued. Holy shit. Triple Four jump fucking off the wall. Show. So, not to be divisive. Uh, you're being divisive here. But uh, you got three M's from me. I'm sure. I had some spice in there. Oh, Wario. And there was a dry bone. There's a dry bone. What's the dry bones on? Um, it was number three. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, because I was kind of lukewarm on it. Like, but it's not the worst time you ever spent with a mainline Zelda. No, that that part I can I can agree with. Really, a largely unenjoyable experience. I feel like it's a largely unenjoyable experience. I feel like as a long term Zelda fan, yeah. It did a lot of service to the franchises before it, and it told a very cool, encapsulating, overarching story for the entire franchise. Uh, and if you're willing to get through it, I hate using that because, like, get through it makes it seem like you have. What are you doing with your face there? <laughs> Don't worry, fucking Skeletor. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I just I feel like there was a lot of cool stuff in the world. It just took a while to get to it, and you, you're fighting the game's physics systems and the weather systems and a lot of other bullshit. But. Yeah. It wasn't boring, but it definitely wasn't my most enjoyable time with a Zelda. Mm-hmm. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Gotcha. So. I've, I've said statements on Breath of the Wild before. Yeah. Mainly it's the weapon uh, degrading system, the durability system, the stamina wheel system. And honestly, I did not really feel great about the puzzles, the dungeon puzzles. I, I hate the fact that they're all the same. Yeah. I hate that it's all essentially the same dungeon. But, oh, here's, here's a slightly different puzzle. Flip your switch around. Yeah. Fuck you first of all <laughs> none of the motion controls were ever fun or no. good or well thought out i'm sorry it wasn't god there's this one where it was like this pinwheel experience where you had to navigate i know that's like the ball in the maze absolute goddamn worse yeah. all i wanted to do is use my goddamn joysticks why did why couldn't i just turn it off in the options what the fuck yeah i would have some instances when i would just be like in combat and then like the motion controls would just ignite and fuck up what i was doing i'm like uh, i don't know what's happening and the other thing i got for you is it's big for nothing yeah, it, it really, really is. It's it, overly large just to look pretty, yeah. but there is not moment-to-moment gameplay to fill that world up to make me intrigued or no. interested. I actually found myself running from most of the fights because I really didn't find them engaging or care to take the risk of losing a weapon or having to start over or whatever the case may be. Right. I think there is a charm to it. It is a beautiful game. There's a reason why it was on the top of Game of the Year list last year. But for, for a long time, Zelda fan, the dungeons didn't do it for me. The puzzles, like, I get that they outsourced to, like, three separate teams. Or they had three different teams working on them simultaneously mm. to do all these hundred whatever dungeons. But, like, I just, like, it didn't hit for me. Nope. It really didn't. Um, but, I mean, kudos to the feat. It is an amazing game in a lot of regards. But I don't want that from another Switch Zelda. I don't. Yeah. So, to this day, I just like to go along to get along. I just have to <laughs> fucking keep my mouth shut when people start gabbing about Zelda. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, Breath of the Wild. Blah, blah, blah. And like, like, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, I was like, I didn't enjoy that game. I didn't. You know what the best Zelda game on the platform is? Mm-hmm. Hyrule Warriors. Damn. Hyrule Warriors. That's a spicy. Is more take. Zelda than Breath of the Wild is. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and give some water <laughs> to those wet bones. <laughs> Like you chain chump my ass. Uh just the Mario. Dog. It, oh shit. <laughs> that was gonna <laughs> Hyrule Warriors is a better Zelda game than being Zelda. I know I'm I appreciate sorry, that. I know. Listen, I 
I have a Zelda tattoo. I feel like I'm disservicing myself and my fandom and my lineage with the game by not having finished it, but like I can't sit with it for too long because I kind of just get a little meandering or bored with it at times. Yeah. So a feeling I didn't really get from other Zeldas. Mm-hmm. Unique unto Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So or I, could... I was just chasing towers just to do it because I'm like, well, this feels like a sense of progression. Oh god, so. the tower system, whatever. Even Far Cry moved away from the tower thing. Why the fuck is Breath of the Wild still doing it? That's true. <laughs> well, that that was our hot take that was, takedown. That was our hot take takedown. Holy I shit. feel like the results are in. We're more Mario's and Wario's, obviously. Yeah. It proves we're drift compatible, Daniel. Sure. Uh, I, like I said before, I'm going to get flack uh, from Jess for this, if she ever listens to this, because yeah. she is my first drift compatible mate. But you were telling me in Pacific Rim 2, you can oh, have like... There's three three man Jaegers. So three three person Jaegers. We're inviting you to the Jaeger. We're gonna fucking we're gonna go. pilot that one together. There you go. So cool. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh so we you can find us on Twitter at Save Room Show. When this episode posts, if you want to drop in your own hot takes or argue with us about any of ours, mm-hmm. go right the fuck ahead. Please. We're we're into the engagement. Yeah. Uh, once again, we want to give a shout out to our friends in the Netherlands. We don't know why you're vibing on us, but yeah. we like that you are. Just keep getting stoned and liking our stuff. We're going to find out that that stupid like banner image that we use with the portrait of the woman is like like one of their queens. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the only reason they've been listening to us. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, hey, you can find us on Twitch. We've been doing some good pushes on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me, uh, twitch.tv slash the red herb. You can find Daniel at twitch.tv slash dungeons and Daniels. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate we've been seeing more and more engagement the more consistent we get with this shit. And yeah. it's really cool. It's been really great. We don't know where to go or how to grow, but we appreciate that you're here. Mm-hmm. And if you have any suggestions for what you want to see or where you want us to go, drop them at us, man. Yeah. We're all ears. We only want to make a better product for you and ourselves at the end of the day. And that doesn't happen without your feedback we're fucking creating in a bubble right now doing what we think is fun and funny and right. some of you guys vibe on it and some of you don't but like if you want to keep with us and want stuff you want to hear or feel like we're doing things wrong let us know okay let but know. i think that wraps her up thank you so much for listening to the save room i've been kevin and i've been daniel and remember to save your game <laughs>